With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's And Jim on ESPN 961. Hey, can I get explained that one? Don't worry. We didn't leave you alone with him. Welcome aboard. You can ahoy ahoy at home. It, it only feels right. It's an adjustment for all of us. State of the rivalry is front and center as we start the show today. Less than 48 hours from Michigan, Michigan State. And we touched on it a little yesterday. It feels flat, dead. Like nobody's doing the anything can happen in a rivalry talk ahead of this one. And I do think there's a danger there. I think we're in dangerous territory for Michigan State. Could the rivalry be reverting back to what it was for most of our lives? And I'm, I'm saying that to you if you're 25, 35, 45, 55, 65. The, the tenor of this rivalry has been owned by Michigan. Last year, the Wolverines won 44 to 10, and they're throwing to go up 34 points. Like quite the retirement gift for Mark D'Antonio. The last time Michigan won this rivalry by that many points... It set off a stretch of seven in a row. And I think if you're a Spartan fan, you recognize what D'Antonio built is gone, and the rivalry is reverting back to what it once was. In the 70s, Michigan won nine of the 10 games. In the 80s, they won eight of the 10 games. In the 90s, it was narrow, six to four for the Wolverines. But in the aughts, seven of the 10 went to the Wolverines. I question whether or not dark days are back for the Spartans. And if Michigan fans feel like order is being restored in the mitten, 866-314-9696. That is the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. That is where we begin today. And I am blessed to be joined by Sean Belisian again for another day. Buddy, how are you? Jim, you know what? You you just hit on something that I, I need to bring up. Talking about this with this listening audience about, I don't know, 12 years ago. And I remember telling my son, who, by the way, is now 21 years old and a, and a senior at DePaul, all together now, let's feel old. Um, <laughs> I remember telling my son at the time, because we lived in one of those areas not too far away from Ann Arbor, where it seemed every kid was a Michigan fan. And I remember telling my son before the game in 2009, uh, Jack, you might see something I've never seen in my lifetime. And he, he said, what's that, Dad? And I said, Michigan State beating Michigan two years in a row. And then there was that awkward silence, and he kind of looked at me and he said, Dad, you've never seen that in your lifetime? I said, never. Never. It was 2009. I was 39 years old. Jim, I never saw Michigan State beat Michigan two years in a row. Never happened. Okay? Now, again, in our wildest dreams, whether you're a Spartan fan or whether you're a Michigan fan, nobody could have imagined that the next seven of eight would go to Michigan State. And, and quite frankly, five of those seven were were blowouts. I mean, they really were. We, we saw five different double-digit victories in that span. So I always used the term back then, Jim, it was world turned upside down. It really was. It was a world turned upside down. And in the early portion, I don't think either – 
either fan base knew how to react to it. It happened. It was a wonderful era if you're a Spartan fan. It's dark days if you're a Michigan fan. I can't blame anybody for playing that card right now. I, I Really, how, how on earth could you blame somebody for saying, okay, order is restored? Now, do I think that's the case? No, I don't. I, I, I really, truly don't. But with that being said, um, we are what we've lived through. And I think that's why so many people held on to, uh, I think one of the worst old bits in the history of mankind is big two, little eight. Mm -hmm. We are never going back to those days. It's over. College football is a complete different place now. It just is. It's a completely different place. It will never, ever be big two, little eight ever again. You might see it in a particular year, but to run the yard like Michigan and Ohio State did for, I mean, really, when you think about it, a decade and a half, it's yeah. never going to happen again. Well, so I give you in the 70s, it's nine to one. No, I, I don't think we're going to see many decades where one side wins nine of 10. But I do think this is setting up to be a decade where Michigan goes back to winning like, you know, seven of the 10, where they go Could back be. to they go back to what, what a lot of people are used to, where you know, maybe Michigan State will win one of every three, one of every four. It, it might go back to that point. And I think that's what's on the table here because, you know, say what you want about Harbaugh not beating Ohio State. He has taken back the state of Michigan, and it's at a time where Michigan State now is is looking up going, we can't beat Rutgers. Guys, we can't beat Rutgers. Our program is in a real rough spot right now. And I wonder, you know, even if Mel's the right guy, it's going to take him a couple seasons. And if he's the wrong guy, well, then you get to go through your Rich Rods and your Brady Hoax and take your lumps and – and it, being on the other side of that is not fun. No, it's and you know it's it's interesting, Jim, that when when you think about what you just said, for me that was that was the era that I grew up in. Really, it seemed like once every three years, Michigan State knocked off Michigan. It was eighty four, eighty seven, then it was ninety, then it was ninety three, then then they beat it by a year in ninety five. Tony Banks, but they gave up that year on the back end and didn't win again till 99. You know what I mean? So, so really it was one every three years. And those were kind of like my formative years. And then after Spartan Bob, you know, there was that span of uh, Michigan. How, in, in what way can we humiliate you this mm -hmm. year? Can, can we destroy you? Can we beat you in triple overtime? Can we just use regular overtime? Can we talk about little brother? You know, which which was just that era, and it was only six wins in a row, but that era was in particularly a, a gut punch, I think, for a lot of Spartan fans. But, but, Sean, I think that's kind of where this is headed right now, where I think about last right year. Right now, yeah. Because I think last year, you're going, well, it's D'Antonio's last stand, potentially. You know, he always gets them up for it. Rivalry, you never know. And then to lose by 34 points to where Harbaugh's trying to punk you. He's throwing the ball up four touchdowns because he wants to punk you. Like, it does, when you talk about it, Sean, it does feel like that's what's on the line this weekend. Not whether or not MSU is going to win the game, but will they avoid just utter embarrassment? Oh, Absolutely. It's I look, I, I've seen it on both ends. I, I really I you know, I keep going back to twenty fourteen, Jim, because that was and it was interesting talking to some people on, on Twitter today uh, about that. A couple people agreed with me. That was when you knew by that point in time Brady Hoke was going to fail. 
Like you knew it deep down inside. Maybe you didn't have the courage to verbalize it yet, but but you knew deep down inside that they were going to fail. And what was interesting about that is heading into that game, I, I vividly remember nobody even tried to pretend it was a rivalry. And shortly before that game, I might add, was a loss to Rutgers by Brady Hoke's team back in 2014. So uh, what a what a strange six-year span it's been. Almost full circle, but the other way around. 866-314-9696, at the Ann Jim Show on Twitter. I'm seeing some responses come in. Paul says, this is the first time I've felt this confident in the last 15 years, and honestly, it feels so good. I, I don't miss the freaking out during hate week. And Big Ben says, I think the rivalry's back to where it belongs. A non-rivalry. <laughs> Sean, he's trying to get under your skin. <laughs> I, I Listen, how could you argue? I, I don't listen. Uh, how about this here one? Here it comes. Le- Leo says, could Michigan State beat Eastern? How about Ferris? What about GVSU? Well, I don't know. Coach Anise, he, he, he's got that offense rolling. <laughs> I joke, I kid. Shout out to Coach Anise. But um, no, listen, Jim, I, have fun with it. Absolutely. You know what I always used to tell Michigan fans back in the day? And I know some of you are, are probably going to twitch when I say this, but here it comes. Take your medicine. Take your medicine. You all needed to take medicine, whether you whether you admit it or not. You took your medicine. You took your lumps. Now it's time to give it back. Absolutely. Positively. And you're doing it on the football field. You're not, you're not winning all those, you know, I mean, one of the staples to me, Jim, of Michigan football for the past decade, and if I said this five years ago, people would get mad at me. If I say this now, I bet you every single Wolverine would agree with me. It was always winning all the off-the-field battles. Always. It was winning recruiting day. It was winning, you know, I mean, how many, how many celebrations did people have? But when it came time to, to try to settle things on the field, more often than not in that era, you know, they failed. I mean, period, end of story, they failed. So they took their medicine. They got their coach who, again, I don't care what anybody says. I, I think you're a maniac if you want to get rid of this guy. I really, truly do. I get that, that you want more, and I don't blame you for wanting more. But I think you're a maniac for wanting to get rid of this guy. You're not going to get much better than this guy. That's just the way that it is. Both things can coexist. You can say, hey, I want that Big Ten championship. And you can also say, Jim Harbaugh's done a pretty good job. So I think that's where we're at right now, Jim. Pretty good. I'll agree with you. Pretty good. I just, I didn't think the fight song was pretty good. It was leaders in the best. So I, I, do, think, I do think that's where. I think that's fair. And I think that's where it kicks in because when he was hired, they were little brother. I know we don't like using that phrase anymore in the rivalry, but when Jim Harbaugh was hired, they were they were getting pounded every single time by Michigan State. D'Antonio's program was winning Big Ten titles and going to the Rose Bowl, the things that Michigan fans you know, hold in, in high regard. So when Harbaugh comes in and he takes back the state, I understand a level of accomplishment and I get a level of satisfaction that that brings Michigan fans. I, I think where the criticism comes in is, okay, now will you do those things? Will you win the Big Ten? Will you win the Rose Bowl? Because at Michigan, there's no shortage of money getting poured in. There's no shortage of hype. There's no shortage of history. There's really no excuse to not be at the mountaintop 
if you are the guy. And we look at great coaches in Big Ten history, and it's normally that third or fourth season where they've got their own guys, where they break through and they win the Big Ten. Like, Sean, you're, you know the history. Look back through, name a top coach in the Big Ten's history. I'll tell you, they won within their first four seasons of Big Ten championships. So for Harbaugh, it's like, okay, why have you fallen short? And the idea that, well, it, not year four, but year five. Not year five, but year six. Here we are in year six, and I think they're off to a pretty hot start with win number one. But I understand where the critics come in saying it, it's not enough to just beat Minnesota or, put it this way, a bad Michigan State team because they are a bad team this Saturday. Beating up on this Spartan team doesn't does make you a great program. It doesn't. It's not something you beat your chest about going in and beating a Michigan State program that's been left for dead. And I say that with respect to D'Antonio, who is there winning his coach. But, Sean, these last few years, he left them for dead. It's, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. It all, it all happened so quickly. It really did. Because, you know, I remember when 2016 happened. You know, you heard so many people gleefully say, this is it. It's over. It's done. Okay. And, and then they came back and they had a good season in 2017. And, uh, you know, that was a win in Ann Arbor that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And then the last couple of years, I mean, it was, it was that mad, mediocre train and everything. This is something completely different. I mean, it just it, it just is. And look, anybody knew that this was going to be a quote-unquote down year for Michigan State. If you were paying attention, you knew that this was going to be a down year. There's a difference. I go back to what you said on Saturday, Jim. I loved your tweet. There's a difference between having a quote-unquote down year or a rebuild year and having a, a full nuclear meltdown. And, and that's what happened on Saturday. I mean, that really was to lose to that team, the way you lost to that team with all those turnovers, boy, oh boy, there's a heck of a lot of work that's, that needs to happen coming forward. Well, and I think that's why the spread's 24 and a half going into Saturday with Michigan and Michigan state. I mean, that is, that is as ugly as it gets. And it's because, well, they won by 34 a year ago and it looks like Michigan's better than a year ago. And it looks like Michigan state isn't any better. And I, and Sean, I think it's an interesting point because how much of the loss is Mel Tucker and how much of that loss is Mark D'Antonio? And I think losing to Rutgers is rock bottom. So I, I can't say Mel Tucker bears no blame for that performance on Saturday, but I do think the context is important too, right? We talk about a nuclear waste that, that was inherited. Mark D'Antonio had a losing record in the Big Ten the last four seasons, and he had a losing record against Jim Harbaugh in that span, against Ohio State in that span, against Wisconsin in that span. And the defense that was once the calling card, right? No fly zone, all that stuff. Last year, they gave up 44 points to Michigan, 38 to Wisconsin, and 34 to Ohio State. When you're losing by three, four, or even five touchdowns, I mean, and then, by the way, you leave in the cover of darkness after your bonus hits in February. Like, yeah, you, you did Mel Tucker no favors. Having said that, I think Spartan fans expect to beat at least Rutgers. Maybe not many more teams than Rutgers, but at least Rutgers. And I think it was a wake-up call that not only did D'Antonio leave you high and dry, but this new coach, he's going to go through the growing pains that a lot of first-time uh, head coaches in year one go through. Well, and you know, Jim, I, I'm a big fan of, I, I think what you've seen, especially in the advent of, of, of Sports Talk Radio, is so many people try to take the, the small and make it speak for the large. And I, I'm, I'm the, the 
direct opposite. I mean, what's the exception to the rule? And I think years ago, when you go back to the early portions of the D'Antonio area, uh, so many people looked at 2012 and said that was a sign of things to come, right? And and I said, well, time out, time out. What's, what's been the exception to the rule? Look, look what he did in 10. Look what he did in 11. And obviously, we saw what happened in 13, 14, and 15. It was a tremendous run that included one of the most dominant Big Ten teams you'll ever see. And I'll argue anybody over that if you want to. Um, but then, Jim, you're absolutely right. What what transpired the next four years? The right. exception to the rule was 2017. Yep. So this has been coming apart at the scene a little bit longer than people want to admit. Yeah, I look at these scores after trouble with the snap, right? Let's let uh, Spartan fans just take a second, picture it, smile. Since that moment, things haven't been so hot. 2016, was that the year that uh, D'Antonio was playing to keep it close? And Jabril yes. ended up running it, scampering it back at the very end in East Lansing. Yes. Jim Harbaugh gets his first win in the rivalry. He's won two in a row now in 2018 and 2019. 17 does feel like the anomaly. It, it, that was a game, and I remember the weather. I was at that game. Snow coming down, night game at the big house, and Michigan State gutted it out. But it really does feel like that was the last dying breath of of D'Antonio in this rivalry. A guy who owned Michigan for so long, who who played the disrespect card better than anybody's ever done it, by the end, he didn't have much left in this rivalry. And the last two years, it's been double-digit victories, multi-score victories, and I think this year is shaping up to be another one. So now we start talking about it three straight, maybe four straight, five straight. That's when I say this is going to feel like the Dark Ages a little bit for Spartan fans. It's going to feel like the the time back before D'Antonio that you don't want to remember. And for Michigan fans, oh, they're going, hallelujah. Yeah, it's a pick-a-score of the game. I mean, I, I don't think there's any debate about it. How badly do they want to embarrass them? I, I, I think they're totally in control in regards to that question. All right, we're talking the state of the rivalry, 866-314-96. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 96 on the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline, state of the rivalry. By the way, 15 minutes from now, we've got a Lions proposition. Do you want to be one of the 500? It's the Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. Trying to make a better first impression than Mel Tucker. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. Yeah, more of a working title for now. The and Jim Show brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of ESPN 961. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Ten minutes from now, I want to talk to Lions fans. I got a proposition for you. Do you want to be one of the 500? Now, Fongers... I don't want you to get shut out here. I'm not playing defense on you. I know Sean and I never shut up, so I want to make sure you're part of this. We're talking the state of the rivalry. 
Michigan and Michigan State. I got Josh on social media saying, Jim, you're baiting us. No, I really believe Michigan's grabbing this rivalry and they're not looking back. Fongers, you're a Michigan fan. Are you feeling that kind of confidence going into this weekend and moving forward? Well, I was feeling hesitant about the game prior to the season beginning, but after watching Michigan just thoroughly dismantle Row the Boat, Mr. Row the Boat over there at the University of Minnesota, I'm feeling pretty good, especially if that offense can continue to hum along like it did against the Minnesota team. Yeah, they lost half their defensive starters from last year, but that's still a pretty darn good Minnesota football team, especially on the defensive end. And they, like I said, they picked them apart. That defense had no idea what hit them. And, you know, in the picks last week, I picked MSU to not only beat Rutgers, but I thought they were going to comfortably beat them. (laughs) What's wrong with me? I mean, I didn't watch much of the game, but just looking at the stats you guys were talking about in the previous segment, seven turnovers. Did you know that Rutgers last year were able to create just 10 all season long and MSU had seven in the first game of the season? I mean, Rocky Lombardi better keep his head on a swivel because, and for Mel Tucker's sake too, I feel bad for the guy because I think he's a darn good coach. He's proven it. He's got a pretty good track record. But, man, he's looking at this roster this year going, who do I have that can – who who are my key guys this year? Yeah. It, it's going to be a long haul. I mean, dare I say, I mean, yes, I am a Michigan fan, but I want to see this rivalry be competitive. And I just feel like Saturday's game, if Michigan jumps on him early, it could get ugly in a real hurry. I couldn't agree with you more, Fongers. Uh, and I, I, I have said this for years, and I know people don't believe me, and I don't give a damn. You know what? We all win when both of these teams are are sailing at a high level. We all win. The coverage is phenomenal. The college football world seems to talk about it. I mean, think back to 2015 and the excitement from that. And obviously, it didn't end the way that you wanted it to end. And you could play that game 100 times again, and you couldn't replicate that play. But To me, that's the epitome of a rivalry. I mean, we've had, if we're being honest with ourselves, we've had too many of those games in the last 15 years, and it's gone both ways. You know, where it was a curb stomping one way, it was a curb stomping the other way. To me, I'd love nothing more than to see both of these programs on that trajectory where you can go to bed every night, off-season or in-season, and know one team's got a chance to win nine, 10 games. The other team has a chance to win the Big Ten if Ohio State doesn't exist. And and it's just, we don't seem to have those times for very long. It's so depressing to me. It seems like, too, in terms of the football rivalry with these two schools, Michigan State, in order to keep up with Michigan, they have to re- recruit like hell. And Mark D'Antonio, at the beginning of his tenure, it took him some time, but once he got his guys to come in and he developed them properly, that's when you saw Michigan State really take this rivalry to a whole nother level. Now, towards the last couple of years, it seemed like, and you guys can rebut me if you'd like, but the last couple of years, it seemed like he just flat out quit on these players, and, and the effort in the last few years showed that they just had no fight whatsoever. Well, Fongers, it was a country club. They kept all his assistance, no need for any changes. Things are going just fine. Meanwhile, if you watched Michigan State on a Saturday, you'd realize the program was no longer the great program it was during the heights of the Mark D'Antonio era. Now, to your point about, hey, you took D'Antonio a little bit of time, get his guys, work his scheme. 
Tucker's going to have to do the same. And my point is, how long is it going to take? Because Michigan's already won two in a row, three of the last four. We're assuming another one this weekend. It's why I say the dark ages are back. The era of Michigan winning seven of every ten feel like they're back. And I'm I'm not trying to bait Michigan fans, Sean. I, I hope people don't think I'm trying to get their hopes up. I genuinely believe Michigan State's in a real rough spot, and Michigan has a lot of mojo going right now. Jim, I'm so glad that you are playing the role of being accused of baiting Michigan fans. I'm tired of it. I've lived with that my entire lifetime. So but, but Sean, Sean, you Sean, go right. Here's the you difference. go right ahead and do that. You know, when they're bad, I love I love ribbing them right when they're bad, and then I say nice things about them, and they go, "Oh shucks, no, we're not." Well, what is it? Are you guys actually going to own this rivalry or not? You know, to Fonger's point, if I may, I, I think you guys, or at least Jim, you you may know this ab- about me. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I had the recruiting debate with people. I did spreadsheets, five, ten-year spreadsheets. So you can play this game at home. I give rivals all the respect in the world for for keeping former rankings still out there so people can see this stuff. What people forget is is D'Antonio didn't have highly recruited classes that made up the 2013 Big Ten champion or the 2015 Big Ten champion. He didn't. You know what? He grabbed those two, three-star guys, coached them up, chip on the shoulder, all of that stuff. And with success, you started to see more of those, you know, four or five star guys come in and everything. But again, if you don't believe me, you can, you can look this up for yourself. It's really easy. Do it at home. They, you aren't talking about these highly recruited classes or anything like that. Far from it. And you know, it, at one year, it may be 30, one year, it may be 43. The other year, it may be 45 or something. And they got in there and they bought into the disrespect and they bought in and people can make fun of it all they want. But boy, you can't tell me it didn't work, Sean. You're you cannot at- sit there today yeah. and tell me it didn't work. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I I just want to build on that point. I think you're right. D'Antonio went into a lot of these like uh, small cities in Ohio and Wisconsin and Illinois and and Michigan and pulled out these like who's Darquez Denard? Go look him up. He looks like a like a scrawny two star kid, and all of a sudden he's playing on the no fly zone defense, and then in the National Football League, and still is right now. D'Antonio did a great job of developing. And then somewhere along the way, you know, they go to a Rose Bowl, they celebrate, they go to a playoff, and then they stop developing those guys. They swung really big on one recruiting class, and I think some of the top guys ended up getting kicked off the team. And then from there, the program never responded. They didn't do a good job developing, especially on the O-line and on the defensive side of the ball, the areas where they were most famous for. The calling card for Mark D'Antonio was we're going to play defense and we're going to own the line of scrimmage with our run game. When those two things evaporated and Jim Harbaugh got a few more uh, guys in, the rivalry swung. The rivalry absolutely swung. Now the question is how far away is Mel Tucker from getting this back to the rivalry that Sean, you as a Spartan love, and Fongers, you as a Wolverine love. I think that's a great point by both of you. You want it to be an overtime thriller. You want it to be a fourth quarter game. You want there to be John all week long and especially all year long after the game. And right now it is, it's dead. And I mean, maybe this is the bearer of bad news. I don't think it's getting uh, brought back to life anytime soon. Well, the obvious comparison is the basketball rivalry. Good one. Before John Beeline took over, 
Tom Izzo laughed every time they played Michigan because they beat them by 40, 50 points. When John Beeline took over and started beating Tom Izzo here and there, especially in East Lansing, then the MSU fans started to sweat a little bit, and that's when you realized, oh, this basketball rivalry has finally come back. So that's that's the main obvi- uh, the main comparison. It took John Beeline a long time because of all the sanctions, and he had to recruit like hell, just like Mel Tucker has to do here you know, in his beginning years at Michigan State, Jim, is it safe to say maybe it takes more than just a full recruiting class for MSU to get back to where it needs to be? I I think with the damage that has been done, yeah, it is going to take a little bit of time. That's kind of why I forecast beyond just this year, which I know is dangerous, and I know Sean has cautioned against. I want to read one more tweet here, and then we're going to get into some Lions. Paul says, I feel bad for whoever's playing quarterback. He wants to send him a care package for Michigan State this week. I mean, Sean, it might be multiple quarterbacks, but he points out Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson. How many Fongers, how many sacks did Michigan have week one? Was it eight? It seemed it seemed like it because it, it, it Quiddy Pay like in the fourth quarter, they couldn't block him. So I mean, I think listen, no one wants to do the X's and O's of this game because it might not matter twelve minutes in or twelve seconds in, but but I think that's one thing. Hey, uh, Michigan State's trying to figure out who their quarterback is. They got to keep him healthy and upright. Well, that's, you know what? I mean, that goes right back to uh, poor Devin Gardner. I'll say that to, to my dying breath. I mean, that was, that was, I'm not, and I'm not being funny. I mean, that was, I felt bad for that kid that day. I mean, they, they just pulverized him, absolutely pulverized him. And, um, you know, so history repeats itself. I think a lot of Spartan fans have to take their medicine. It's time to take some medicine. Jim, one of the analogies I've always used, and maybe Fongers, you can relate to this. Okay. Um, so for years, it's Michigan, Michigan State Day, right? And and the Spartan fan that lives next door to you is nowhere to be found. Maybe he's got his flag outside. Maybe he doesn't. But you don't see him milling around. You don't see him doing any yard work. You don't see him washing the car, anything like that. And then all of a sudden, around 2008, 2009, 2010, there he is. Well, heidily ho, neighbor. <laughs> you, you, you can't miss him. There he is with his flag. He's wearing his Michigan State shirt. It's Ned freaking Flanders everywhere. Hey, did you watch the game today? And, you know, things kind of reversed themselves. It was the Michigan fan that maybe stayed inside that didn't go rake the leaves, wash the car, whatever. So I think some of those Michigan fans are ready to come back outside and some of those Spartan fans may tend to the the cooker, or excuse me, the smoker, or whatever the case may be on a particular college football Saturday. Yeah, they're they're staying in with the blinds drawn. Uh, let's go to Jamie in Middleville. Jamie, you're on the end Jim show. You're on ESPN nine six one. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's just not the same when state isn't competitive. Um, you know, last year being indicative of that I remember the lead up to this week, there wasn't a whole lot of trash talk last year. Um, and, you know, it felt like a dead week, kind of like this year. You know, last year, I don't know if we can we can look at that Notre Dame game being a, a stepping off point for Michigan's offense. And Shea Patterson was, you know, through for 300 yards for three straight games, starting with that Michigan State game. But the one thing that's kept Michigan from – I think taking hold of this series and this rivalry over the last five years since 2015 really has been the lack of an offense and finishing drives. You know, you look back to that fumble punt game. Oh my word. How many chances did they have in the fourth quarter to just seal it? Yeah. Score a touchdown, kick a field goal, kneel on it, get a first down. Um, even the wins in East Lansing. Um, 
And with the exception of last year, there really hasn't been a blowout. I think this year is much different. It's much a different look. Harbaugh's had his hands off of that offense for the first game, and it showed. I mean, they were three missed field goals away from putting 58 on a quality opponent on the road. And you guys are absolutely right with with Michigan State not being competitive. It's not fun to watch. And there's no gloating in it for me whatsoever. Um, not when you, you smash your opponent. And but Jamie, you gotta. What do they J- Jamie, you Michigan? gotta though. You you've gotta because the shoe's gonna be on the other foot someday. You gotta enjoy the yeah. runs while you have them. I'll tell you what. I'll enjoy this one uh, the most because there really hasn't been a blowout with the exception of last year. And I'm still still having nightmares about 2015 fumbled punt. Man, I broke a TV <laughs> that day. I've said that several times on the air. I smashed the TV that day. I was so pissed. You know what's funny about that one, and and I, I hope I hope you take this in the context in which I'm saying it. Uh, you know, there's uh, Jim. I think a lot of Spartan fans, um, you know, take it personally when somebody. One of the things that happened, especially after the era kind of ended, is so many people talked about luck, and I, I brought this up earlier. Look, 2013, they beat everybody in the conference by double digits. What do, what more do you want? Find me another Big Ten champion who went unbeaten that beat everybody in conference by double digits. Good luck with that. Yeah. You, you know the funny thing about that that 2015 game? It is forever going to be remembered for troubled with the snap. We mm-hmm. know that, okay? Do you know what people forget about that game? I think a lot of Spartan fans were probably sitting there with 20 seconds left doing the exact same thing that I was doing. How is Michigan State down right now? And, and Jim, do twenty first downs to ten first downs. Yeah, I think the stats are right. Three hundred and eighty six yards to two hundred and thirty yards. The passing was three twenty eight to one sixty eight. It was one of those games. I remember sitting there going, "Oh my goodness gracious! Of all the years to lose, you're losing to Jim Harbaugh in year one because you know there were people out there proclaiming he's going to, you know, he's going to own the conference for the next five years to come, and you lose in a game where you're scratching your head going." Now, how exactly did, did they lose this game? Time of possession was more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalty battle was was in favor of Michigan. It was one of those games, if you go back and you actually look at it, it was kind of a head-scratcher as to how they were even in that position. Now, I'm going to say it again. Please don't misconstrue. That was a miracle what happened. Something like that isn't going to happen again. It just isn't. But it, it's kind of funny how through the passage of time, maybe we forget that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to go into some Lions here. Wrap up the hour with Lions talk. I said, do you want to be one of the 500? They're going to allow fans. They announced it today. They're going to allow 500 fans into Lions games starting this Sunday against the Colts. And I I want to know if you want to be one of those 500, if this is something that interests you. And I know, you know, COVID is the elephant in the room, the virus in the room, whatever. That's going to be a deterrent for sure. But I'm asking just in general, are the Lions worth your time your money your effort would you go see would you want would you stand in line and pay money to be one of the 500 at ford field when they play the colts talking get in your car drive be at that game do the lions do it for you 866-314-9696 on the copper craft distillery hotline that's 866-314-9696 uh, coming up here in 10 minutes, one Lions beat writer jinxed the team, so we oh, <laughs> we, we will boy. put it out there, Sean. Oh, boy. Why did he do oh, it? Oh, boy. We'll no, mi- don't. We'll mix that in. 
Um, but you know, the, the limit for a while was 250. Now it's up to 500 people. So the lions are saying, great, we'll have 500 fans in the stands. Do you want to be one of them? Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. That's something I want to explore on the other side of the break. It's the end, Jim Show on ESPN 961. Fonger's Fact. Producer Fonger's voice once stopped a bank robbery just by asking them what their mothers would think. You didn't like my waxing gibbous, Fongers? That's next level weather right there. Oh, uh, what now? <laughs> We're hanging out today on, what is it, a Thursday? Man, Lions going to play on Sunday. And there's going to be fans at the game. Up to 500 folks are going to be admitted. And we've asked you guys the question, do you have any interest in being one of them? And I I don't want to do too much on, like, the elephant in the room or the virus in the room. That's obviously a deterrent. But I mean, like, would you want to be at a Lions game right now? They're 500. You'd have to get in your car and drive over there. And you'd be in kind of a dull environment, right? Like, 500 people is going to feel like nothing inside of Ford Field. Is this team worth it to you? 866-314-9696. 866-314-9696. That's the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. If they win and make it three straight, you win with Coppercraft. 50 bucks to Coppercraft Distillery on Mondays. Sign up at ESPN961.com. Sean Belisian is hanging out with me today on the Ann Jim Show. And uh, Sean, might I say, doing a great job. Love having you here. You get away with that weather forecast without you are so much better at doing the weather than Drew. You know I love Drew. Okay, I love the guy. The absolute worst weather reads ever. So I just I want to shout out to Drew, <laughs> but he was absolutely the worst weather reader in in the history of mankind. Can I answer your question, Jim? I miss Ford Field. Okay. I miss Ford Field. Um, I, I miss it not only in a work capacity because um, with my job. And I think many of you know what my job is. We're not allowed in. We're one of the select few that are not allowed in. But I, I miss hanging out around there. I miss um, hitting a tailgate beforehand. And, and that's the one thing with my job, whether I was doing you know the television show for the Fox affiliates or, or now being part of, of the radio team, I, I haven't had a chance to do that. So maybe that's 
part of it, and I can openly admit that, but absolutely, positively, I would put on my mask. I would be respectful of others. I would go to the game in a heartbeat, whether it be with you, whether it be with my kids, whatever the case may be. Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Man, I don't know what it is for me, but I'd rather sit at home. And it's not because really? I, it's not because I have like a an over you know fear of of getting it of, of catching the virus. It's just more I'd rather be on my couch and if the game's a dud, change the channel or get snacks in the break. You know, I I just I feel way better at home watching it. Now that's not to say if you had a, a jam packed Ford Field, right? If it was everybody's there and there's an atmosphere, okay, sign me up. But I don't know that I want to be there with like a couple hundred other people and feel like it's a ghost town to watch a 500 football team. I'd rather do that from the comfort of my couch, sleep in, not be on the road the whole day driving to and from. I don't, I don't know if that makes me like, like not as big of a sports fan as you, but like, I I would much rather be home. Not, not, not for a 500 football team for 500 people. Can I give a proposition to you? All right. Let, let's say I say, Jim, we're going down to Eastern market. We're going down Meet us down there at seven o'clock in the morning, okay? Mm-hmm. And and trust me when I say this, I am not one of those guys that hey, let's have another beer before the game. I want to go in and watch a football game. You know what I mean? There's a time and place for that, and that's not the thing. But let's say me and my boys have four or five different smokers going. What do you want? You want some pulled pork? You want some brisket? You want some wings? Hang out for four or five hours before the game, and then go into the game. Does that entice you more? More, especially because I've seen okay. what you can do on a smoker, what you can do on a grill. Thank that, you. That definitely helps me out Thank there. Thank you. Let me go to the phones. I got Randy in Greenville. Randy, we found out about this today. 500 people at the Lions game. Do you wish you were one of them? Yeah, I I, I, I do for sure. Um, I'd rather be in Ann Arbor. Uh, you know, that that's for sure. But, uh, but uh, you know, how can you not? want to be at the game i got a seven i mean randy you still I got there? a seven yep. yeah yeah i got a seven-year-old who has been dying to see any live sporting event he's been wearing a mask for six months uh sure i jump at the opportunity to see it of course um i actually just think it'd be cool to see if when i yell a player could actually hear it that would be fantastic <laughs> Like, because, because, like, I don't know. Does anyone know what the sound is like in these stadiums? I mean, I still have It's not that loud. What I'm, yeah, it, it's like, supposedly not that loud. What I'm, hearing on, what I'm hearing on TV, I mean, it's piped in, so is it loud or not? I mean, if I yell, you know, uh, uh, you know, throw it to... Throw it to uh, Galladay? I mean, are they going to hear? I don't know. I want to find out. I'm intrigued. Plus, are the concession stands open? That's the other thing. Well, I'm assuming some will be open. Yeah, it's in, in fact, we could try to get more details on it. Randy, I think we should make this a question, a poll question today for people on Twitter at the Ann Jim Show. Spite donation, Twitter poll question of the day. Lions allowing 500 fans. Would you be interested in going to see them? Yes or no? We'll check back on it as the show goes on. I told you guys a Lions beat writer has jinxed the team. I, I like Justin Rogers. He's been on this show before. But, Sean, you saw it, too. This man has the audacity. He writes an Whoa. article saying the Lions haven't fumbled this season. And they're the first team in NFL history that hasn't fumbled once in their first six games. What are you doing? 
J-Rodge, wait, dude, what are you what are you doing? It hey, you know what though? Listen, Jim, okay, for a second, for a second, and I'll get back to it. That's kind of a remarkable stat, isn't it? It is. You know, and, and and that's one thing that Matt Patricia did right. All right, let's get back to it. Jim, don't do that. Don't jinx that. I, because I mean, you you really are just testing fate at that point in time, and he is gonna be bombed. If they put the ball on the carpet, even if they recover it themselves, you know it's coming. Don't do that to yourself, Jay Rodge. They are going to fumble. There's no doubt about it. You don't go six games. Nobody's done it in six games. Like, it's just the law of averages. Someone's going to have the ball squirt out on Sunday. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. Lions are going to fumble. Question is, is it going to be what what costs them? Because, Sean, as as happy as people are that this team is 3-3, and if I tell them they've been fortunate that they've avoided – the sin that is turning the ball over, you know that's not going to last all season. You know that's water's going to find its level with that. Yep, that's exactly it. No, and and you know what, Jim? I, it, to me, it, it, this is one of those things that's that's a beautiful stat to have, and let's hope it continues. And we're still talking about the marvels of it as well. But uh, again, to me, it's about wins and losses, especially right now. And uh, you have a real opportunity. To, to go out, what's the excuse going to be if you beat a four and two Indianapolis game? What's the excuse going to be from detractors at that point in time? Conversely, what do you think people are going to say if you go out there and and you lose to Indianapolis and and you turn the ball over three four times and a couple of those are fumbles? Well, then people are going to go. You lion fans are yeah. doing it again to yourselves. I mean, that's where we're at right now. But I, I mean, look at at its core, I. I'm surprised at it. Hey, listen, full disclosure, was I the only one that went back and like looked at the games to make sure that was a true stat? <laughs> did I, you really? I, I really, I did. I, 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 I trust I the impeccable I, reporting of Justin Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of threw J-Rog under the bus. Sorry about that, J-Rog. But no, I did. I, I was like, wow, that, that can't be true. And, you know, you can go look at the drive charts and everything and see how it ended. And it's uh. It, it, it really is a remarkable stat. There's there's no other way to say that. And maybe maybe it'll turn into some wins. But like we talked about yesterday, my greatest fear right now, Jim, is this team is going to finish 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, and we're going to have the debate all over again. That's, that's just real. Fumbles or not. It shouldn't be a debate. And I say shouldn't, but I know it will be. You know, and I guess that's where the fear comes in for me. Seven wins, there's no debate. Goodbye. I'll pack your bags. I'll take you to the airport. Eight wins. That's cute. Sorry. Caldwell won nine, at least nine in three of his four years. There's no debate. Absolutely none. You went and bought at the deadline. You got your guy, Everson Griffin. Fine. Pass rushers in town. Great. You knew this job was win or else, and you made the moves you made at the draft. You made the moves you did in free agency. This is your puppy. Let's see what you can do for 16 games, and I, I hope there's no debate at the end. It should be clear cut. I know they use language that isn't, right? Subjective, meaningful December football. What the hell does that mean? Significant improvement. Good luck deciphering that. We're going to be there in December trying to figure out, solve that Rubik's Cube. What the hell is significant improvement? What what does mean? Yeah, I guess these games mean something. Maybe for our draft position. Maybe for the playoffs. Maybe for Tom Brady's stat line. What does is, what is meaningful football in December actually mean? And I think we're going to be put in a position to try to decipher it at the end of the season. 866. Oh, it's going to be. 
Go ahead. Jim, it's going to be a mess. Oh, you know, know it. You know where. It, you know what? It's going to be another one of those civil wars, and it's going to be another one of those. Oh, Jim, you're just a hater, or oh, Sean, you're just a hater. I have lived this far too many times. I, I, I just have. I mean, we had a caller yesterday. God bless him. It's his opinion. But how many people look back with reverence at the Caldwell era? I, I, I can't, for the life of me, I can't figure that out. It's better. It was better. No question about that. You're right in that regard. However, how on earth can you look at back, back at that and go, oh, the good old days? <laughs> I, are you mad? I, the early results. Would you go to the Lions home games with only 500 people? Eh, 60% saying, yeah, they would. I don't know what it says about me, but I wouldn't want to go watch a 500 team in front of 500 fans. It would feel like a ghost town, and it wouldn't feel like an atmosphere or a draw. We'll check in with that as the show rolls on today. 500 fans allowed at Lions home games. Maybe more by the end of the season. Would you want to be in attendance? 866-314-9696. It's the Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. They've won as many Big Ten titles as Jim Harbaugh. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. I got to say, I'm loving everybody's feedback. Uh, some people love you. Some people hate you, Sean. Of uh, course. <laughs> and I'm actually welcoming it, guys. Like, you're going to hear a bunch of different people this month. If you absolutely hate someone, message me. If you absolutely love somebody, message me. We'll have some fun with it. But I, I love having Sean in for a couple days here. We are going to let him fix Thursday night football coming up in 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I got the fix, man. And uh, in 15 minutes, you got a chance to win 1000 bucks with Grant in your hand. It's all brought to you by WMGB Home Improvement. Sean, you're a Big Ten guy. I'm a Big Ten guy. And the Big Ten's trying to pull off a season here on a tightrope. Right? They don't really have any buys or any room for error. So when I see the breaking news this week that Wisconsin has to pause all team-related activities for seven days due to an increase in COVID, you know their coach has it, half the quarterback room has it. I'm sure they're going, great, no coach, no quarterback. <laughs> we couldn't play a game anyway. But as a result, they're going to be a game shy. They're not going to play this weekend against Nebraska. And I'm curious if there's any concern for that impacting People who are listening to this show, Michigan fans or Spartan fans, I mean, is it going to be a six-game season or a seven-game season? And I guess we'll take it, given the year we've had, but I don't think the Big Ten did themselves any favors by coming back and saying, there's no wiggle room. It's rigid. If you have this test, you can't play, and you just play less games than everybody else. Like, Sean, I mean, I guess this was always on the table, right? Yeah, you had to accept the fact, Jim, that that this wasn't going to go off without a hitch. And and if I may, just for a second, can I go back to baseball? Go for it. I, I remember vividly, vividly the weekend that it all started to unwrap for baseball, the whole Florida Marlins situation. Mm -hmm. And many people in the media immediately did what is so cool to do in 2020. They started to scream that the house was on fire and they're hearing reports that it could be shut down as early as Sunday. Then it was Monday. And baseball stayed the course. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't bumpy, okay? But they stayed the course, and they got the season in. And I think if, if we were to have the discussion now that we were having back then, I would hope that everybody, regardless of their feelings, regardless of their political affiliation, baseball was right 
to move forward. Mm -hmm. They were right. That season ended up being the best that you could possibly make it. Okay. That was about the best that you could hope for. So when I say that, that's to tie it into this. That's my way of saying you can't panic now. Okay. You're in too deep. You can't pull the plug. There were going to be bumps. There was no possible way that this wasn't going to go off with the snafu. I hoped everybody knew that was going to be part of this process, much like baseball. Um, hockey got very lucky. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they had that bubble. It worked. Uh, basketball got very lucky. Chicken wings aside, they had the bubble. <laughs> it worked. This is going to be a different scenario as Baseball was a different scenario. There were going to be roadblocks. You just make sure that those roadblocks weren't going to stop you from trying to do the best of what is a, a crappy situation. And I think that's how the, the, the Big Ten has to move moving forward. Take a look at what the MLB did. They took their hits. They suspended some games. It was a wacky schedule. There's no doubt about it. It wasn't conducive to playing fantasy baseball. I can tell you that. But know that eventually you got to keep the train chugging along. Hey, I'm with you. But having said that, if you knew you were going to have some issues, maybe don't box yourself into a corner and say you got to play eight games in eight weeks, Sean. Because I'm with you. Yep. There was no way you were going to play the season unscathed. And I do remember that Marlins story. And I remember thinking, like, uh, we're kind of at a tipping point here. What's going to happen? And if you can play the games and accept some level of risk, all's fine. Right? The, the goal was to flatten the curve. It wasn't to eliminate the curve. The goal was never zero cases. It was as few as possible. And hockey and and uh, basketball were able to do that remarkably well. Baseball, they had a few guys test positive, and they had to temporarily pause games. Uh, we've seen that in the SEC already. They've had to temporarily pause games. The NFL has had to deal with it, but they haven't stopped the season. I, I'm not trying to create a panic and tell people that we're not going to have a conclusion to the Big Ten season. I'm simply asking the question, why did the Big Ten pretend like they weren't going to have any issues? Why didn't they give themselves some wiggle room when they did this whole schedule release part two? No, I, th I think that's exactly. Well, and, and Jim, look, this goes back to the beginning, and I was one of those people. I'm sure you and Drew debated this more than you can shake a stick at. I'm, I'm sorry to go back to this dark day for you. They dropped the ball early on, period. I mean, the, the Big Ten dropped the ball. Yep. It's okay to admit it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. 
Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's, it's, it's okay. And I know a lot of people out there, you know, well, you have to err on the side of caution and everything. While people were saying that we were watching other sports make it happen, we were. And, and there, were, there were bumps and there were scares and there were teams that had to be shut down or players that had to be shut down. But when the rest of the world is moving on without you, when the rest of the world is moving on without you, um, well, what, is that, what does that say about you? And I love this conference. It, they missed. They, I mean, flat out, they missed. I hope everybody can acknowledge that now because now you don't have that wiggle room. You you just don't. Well, you don't because, have that wiggle room. Because they want to make sure they can compete in the playoff, right? They couldn't say, we're going to put a couple buys in and finish this up by New Year's because that's too late. So they put themselves into a position where they had to get in enough games to make the playoff. And when they started as late as they did, they really had no choice at that point. They backed themselves into a corner. I didn't mind them being cautious. I remember doing those shows and saying, listen, you're dealing with unpaid college athletes who don't have a seat at the table. Right in the pro games – it's collectively bargained how we're going to take care of one of another. In college football, it's a little more like the wild, wild west. And I think it was up to the conferences to take care of their their student athletes. And I understand the Big Ten doing it in a way that they felt uh, protected them in terms of lawsuits and protected them in terms of the players not having any serious health complications. But you're right, through the benefit of hindsight, the SEC was able to play and give themselves wiggle room. Right, the uh, the Big Twelve has been able to play. The ACC has been able to play and give themselves wiggle room, knowing that there's going to be a positive case or two. Or in the case of Wisconsin, six players and six coaches. You pause, you test, you take care of them, and you get as many games in as you can. Right now, you get in as many as you can. Sean, it might end up being kind of a mess because in baseball, you could play double headers and make them up. Nebraska, they're not playing a double header. You know what I mean? Wisconsin's not playing a double header. I, I think they're going to play seven. Maybe six, and at the end of the at the end of the day, we're gonna have to go probably on what win percentage to decide who goes to the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I mean, look, we saw it in baseball. I mean, we 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 did. I mean, take a look at you know there were the Tigers, as we well know, Jim played fifty eight games. Yep. The Rangers played sixty. The Pirates played sixty. The Red Sox played sixty. I mean, that's just the way it was going to be. Now it's a little different, obviously, when you're talking about college football. You know, I mean that that becomes a, a, a completely different type of situation. Make no mistake about that. And you know, I mean, I, I think Nebraska kind of looked at it, and I, I can't blame Nebraska for doing this, and, and said, "Well, you know, maybe we can schedule a game this weekend." Because I mean, that's the crazy thing, Jim. Sorry to, to switch gears, Go but for it. we're seeing that we're seeing that at the high school level. We're seeing a team saying, "Okay, such and such school had to cancel." Uh, anybody looking for an opponent? Okay, we we found an opponent. Okay, cool. We're going to play in two days. You know, in and a you, you saw the report, right? You saw the report that the Big Ten nixed Nebraska. They were going to yep. try to play Chattanooga, and I, I don't blame them. So I don't blame. I don't blame Nebraska for doing that. I don't blame Nebraska for trying. I also don't blame the Big Ten, Sean, because here's the last thing I want. Last thing I want is Nebraska goes and plays Chattanooga, and pops more positive tests. And I'm going, what are you doing? We need you to play a Big Ten game. You're a Big Ten member. The the critical games here are the conference games. You want to go cut Chattanooga a check to go play them on a Saturday? Fine, but don't put the rest of the teams in the conference 
in a position where they can't play now because you acted in your own interests. I get why the Big Ten said, no, we're not letting you go play Chattanooga on Saturday. And they got to look no, out for everybody. No, I, I think they had to. And, you know, I mean, it's already been a, an ugly mess between Nebraska and and the Big Ten for quite some time. I, I think Nebraska is another one of those programs that has to come to grips that they aren't what they think they are and they aren't what they used to be. You know, and, and I think you, you've kind of seen, in my mind, some arrogance. I, I get it. And I actually agreed with them. I thought the shuffling of feet with the Big Ten and putting off what they eventually did was a horrible look for the Big Ten. It, it just was. And again, I, I say to people, maybe two months ago, you felt differently. But now I would hope that everybody kind of sits back and goes, OK, it happened. We move on. You know, you wish that there would have been at least um, more transparency. And and Lord knows the coaches were crying for that and everything. And I think that, I mean, I I could be wrong, but I think fans probably acknowledge that now as well. But at the end of the day, you all have to play under that Big Ten umbrella. So I don't blame either side for acting as they acted. And I mean, the strange thing about it is it's Wisconsin that got hit. You know, right. Barry Alvarez has been very, very vocal for months now talking about how much it's going to hurt their program and, and putting a call out, you know, to Badger alum everywhere because the, the windfall is going to be so massive with the Badgers. So, you know, here here we are. It's Wisconsin. Wisconsin's the first one to trip up. It, it really is remarkable. Well, and I think Harbaugh said it like it can happen to anybody. I mean, he, he's got sure. his very, he's got his very cheesy phrase. What is it? Um a beat positive and test negative. I mean, he, he's got it. Everything's a catchphrase with Harbaugh, but he has said it can happen to any of us and it could happen to any of these programs. And you may have to pause for a hot second. Wisconsin. I don't feel like has taken it, um, that they haven't taken it seriously. I feel like Wisconsin has taken it seriously from the beginning. And here they are in a position to not play a game and you hope it's just the one game. Then they're back at them. But you know, I love what you said about Nebraska, that they think they're bigger than they are. That's kind of been a theme for this entire year, right? That they, they wanted to play no matter what, and then they got mad that they had too difficult of a schedule, and now they're mad that they can't play Wisconsin. Meanwhile, Wisconsin's 8-1 and one against Nebraska since they joined the Big Ten. You don't want that smoke anyway, Scott Frost. Take two weeks to prepare for who's ever next. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, remember when everybody was shaking? It wasn't that long that everybody was shaking about Scott Frost coming into the Big Ten. Oh remember gosh. that? Yep. What an absolute joke that was. What an absolute joke that was. You know, it, it kind of reminds me, uh, Jim, to, to show my age here. Uh, Penn State was supposed to come into the uh, Big Ten and absolutely own the Big Ten. And they kind of had their way for a little bit there, and then it kind of crumbled apart. Look, I'm not going to get into the old bit argument. I think, I mean, my opinion, I think everybody has no choice but to accept it. We're a less than conference, but it's still a darn good conference, and this is our conference, you know? And um, I, I just don't think it's as easy as some people think to just come in here and be the new sheriff in town, especially in a world that Ohio State exists. Every criticism that has been leveled against Jim Harbaugh could be leveled against Scott Frost times 10. I mean, no question. tell me the situations aren't similar where you have legacy quarterback comes back to save you. And and for Scott Frost, he hasn't even finished a season above 500. So well, it's frightening. Yeah. I mean, it, it really it, and, and I'll tell you what, listen, th- this is this is a, a, a type of guy that when you look at his success, yeah, in the back of your head, you were going, OK, this could be interesting. This wasn't I remember, boy, Drew and I had so much fun with this, Jim, when when. 
Urban Meyer decided that he was going to go to Ohio State, the the fake bravado that was out there was hysterical. I'm not afraid of Urban Meyer. You better be afraid of Urban Meyer. You better be very afraid of Urban Meyer. And I think what we saw him do with Ohio State speaks for itself, and I, I stand by that. Scott Frost wasn't Urban Meyer. He had a lot of success at a place that a lot of people didn't think that he'd have success, but it wasn't, you know, look, UCF playing in the AAC isn't Florida playing in the SEC. You know no, what I mean? No. And so uh, what we've seen since then, I mean, they're six and 13 in the big 10 for goodness sake, like knock it off already. 866-314-9696 on the Coppercraft distillery hotline. Sean wants to fix Thursday night football. And uh, when you look at who's playing tonight, what, Panthers and Falcons, I think we should all listen to Sean and at least give him a chance. <laughs> Can I tell you about that when we come back? Yes, please do that on the other side like of the break. Do you like my idea? Do you uh, like my idea? So you floated it by me initially, and I want you to flush it out fully because I think okay. I'm on board with it to an extent. So we'll hear about that okay. next. 445, we're going to go around the NFL We'll talk about Tua time this weekend and what I think is the best rivalry in the NFL, a great game coming up this weekend. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. Don't worry, we didn't leave you alone with him. We got a message on the Facebook page. I personally like Thursday night football. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Well, Sean, on that note, um, apparently you don't have to fix it because it's not broken. <laughs> you know, I'm going to watch it, Jim. I, I'm going to watch it. Aren't you? I mean, if games yeah. are on, you're going to watch it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. It, come on. Let, let's be honest now. Full disclosure. How excited are you on a scale of one to five about the Atlanta Falcons? And the Carolina Panthers, one to five, like a two. Doesn't move the that needle high, much for really? me. <laughs> I'm the I'm the oh. guy who's all revved up to a two for tonight's game. Listen, I love the I, I love the NFL, and and regardless of your personal feelings about the the NFL is king. Whether you like the NFL or not, the I mean, right? Can we all admit yes. that the NFL is king? Period. End of story. Okay. But here's my proposition. What if college football decided that they were going to put a legitimate option out there on a Thursday night, a legitimate option. Give me a legitimate option. Give me, give me an example. Like one from this weekend. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Not South Alabama and Georgia Southern, (laughs) not Colorado state and Fresno state. Although I have a feeling I'll be up late watching that game. How about Texas and Oklahoma state? How about Notre Dame and Georgia Tech? How about, for our own backyard, Ohio State and Penn State on a Thursday night from Happy Valley, head-to-head with Carolina and Atlanta? What would you rather watch? Oh, I'm watching Penn State, Ohio State 10 times out of 10 times. But you know that game's got to be Saturday night primetime, right? That game's okay, got to right. be how Saturday about, How about Notre, Notre Dame, Georgia okay, Tech? Okay. Which game would you rather watch? Boy, I watched Georgia Tech give up 70 points earlier this year. 
You know, it could get ugly. Uh, so, okay, I, I get your point, though. If college football put even a compelling product out there, you know, not necessarily the A game, but like a BB sure. plus game and throw that on sure. Thursday night football, okay, give us some options and would that take away or would that improve Thursday night football for people? Because right now the NFL's got a monopoly and they can throw out an Atlanta Falcons team that has one win and a Panthers team that doesn't have Christian McCaffrey and we're going to watch it. Like, they know we're going to watch it. We're all going to end up watching some portion of tonight's game because – it's a monopoly. It's football. We love football. It's a Thursday night, and I'm not watching. What did you say? South Alabama against who? In Georgia Southern. Yeah, it's just it's it's a monopoly. If college football Jim, scheduled I, a little differently, maybe it wouldn't be. Jim, I remember. I, I I forget what year it was. Maybe it was 17 or 18. But I was doing some things uh, on on Thursday night for the television station, and honest to goodness, it seemed like every Thursday night I was in, or not every, every other Thursday night, I saw Blake Bortles. And that became the running joke, like at the time, hey, look, the Jags are on again. There's Blake Bortles. It just seemed like forever that that they were always on a Thursday night. We we would joke, oh my goodness, it's Tennessee and Jacksonville again on a Thursday night. That was kind of a, like the running gag and everything. So I get it that sometimes you schedule a game and it doesn't turn out to be the game that you thought it was going to be. Right. But is the NCAA missing out on saying, why don't we throw one of our, dare I say, a games on a Thursday night? Mm. Would people be prone to watch? Even if it isn't because you're right. I think people in our backyard would watch Ohio state and Penn state because well, it's Ohio state and Penn state. But what if it's even, you know, Texas and Oklahoma State. Well, Sean, here, here's the question, though. Does anybody want to take on the NFL? And I think that's where it comes from is you're a college football guy, first and foremost. And maybe there's a bunch of college football people listening right now who would take you up on this deal. But I think there's a real fear in going head-to-head against, yes, even Panthers-Falcons, that the NFL is that powerful that you aren't going to win, that you aren't going to get ratings. And I, I think we spend way too much time just as fans caring about, like, what are the ratings for the NBA or what are the ratings for MLB? Dude, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Who cares if if the guy five houses down had the TV on too? But I think that plays into whether or not college football is going to be shown head-to-head against the NFL. These networks are probably saying, dude, Texas, Oklahoma, it would draw real well in the state of Texas and the state of Oklahoma. But the rest Good of the point. country is going to watch Carolina without Christian McCaffrey and the Atlanta Falcons, who have just one win on the season. So let me throw that out to people. You you kind of already have, Sean. Would people pop if college football put a comparative or even superior alternative on Thursday night? 866-314-9696. Can we fix Thursday night football by giving you more options and by putting college football games on Thursdays as well? 866-314-9696 on the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. Sean, can I throw out a solution to help the NFL product? Because it's not going yes. anywhere. I see people yes. saying, like like Brian, he says, don't play on Thursday. That's not happening. You know, once they take the toothpaste out of the tube, it's not going back in. What I would say, and you're gonna have to get creative with the schedule, teams should not play Sunday, Thursday. Because it's 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 too much of a grind. You got guys who are injured who don't end up playing. You don't have the best roster on a Thursday night. I'd love if it was a bye before your Thursday game. So the team is fresh, so the team is prepared, so we get a higher quality football game on Thursday. If it's got to be Blake Bortles, at least make sure Blake Bortles' O-line is healthy and his best receivers out there, all right? 
Yeah, you know, and and Jim, that's 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 a good point. Listen, I and I I think who was the guy that that texted in or 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 tweeted in? I'm going to watch the game anyway. I I am okay. My brother's in town. I have a couple nephews that are in town with them. They want to come over and watch a game with Uncle Sean. I'm like, yeah, come one, come all. I'll put some ribs on the smoker. They're on there right now, Jim. They smell divine. I'm dying. <laughs> you know, I, I'm 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 telling you right now. It's I I'm going to watch the game. I'm not one of those guys that says, well, this stinks. I'm going to, I'm not going to watch it. No, if a game's on, I'm going to watch it. I I would hope that everybody takes that as a given. However, to me, would I be more psyched to watch? I, you know, I'll even throw another one out there. LSU and Auburn who are only LSU and Auburn in name only right now. Both of those teams are kind of mad. Would I watch LSU and Auburn over tonight? 1000%. One thousand. Give me some Bo Nix. I'm in. I remember his dad. Let's go. I'd watch a game like that any day. And Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The question is, and I think you, you, you posed it very well, the question is, is there enough familiarity with those outside of our backyard? Because I grew up in an era, Jim, where people didn't look beyond the backyard. They, they just, they did not look beyond the backyard. It was all about what is Michigan doing? What is Michigan state doing? What is Ohio state doing? Big 10, big 10, big 10, big 10. And as a kid, I'm not, I'd watch the sec on Saturday afternoons and go, this is awesome. I mean, this is, this is really cool. And obviously that conference has gone next level a couple different times since then. So I understand that People are more educated now than they were even 20 years ago about what's going on elsewhere. But would you choose it over the NFL? I would. I really would. Well, William messages us on Facebook and says, I like the idea of the NCAA challenging the NFL. I like Sean's idea to fix Thursday night football. Don't let it be NFL only. You guys can message us on Facebook, The And Jim Show, same thing on Twitter, and we'll take your phone calls. We've been doing that all show long here. Sean wants to fix Thursday night football. And Fungers, why don't we make that a poll question? Would you rather watch tonight's game, Falcons-Panthers, or, Sean, I'll let you pick any of the games, but you can't do Ohio State-Penn State. That's just not fair. Pick any of the other college games to throw up against it. I kind I kind of feel the same way about Notre Dame because I I know in the listening audience they're a bunch of Irish fan and people like to watch. How about let's go with Alabama Mississippi State? Okay, Fongers, let's you got go that Alabama, one. Let's go with Alabama Mississippi State. All right, which one would you rather watch tonight? I'm I can't wait to see those results at the end of the show today and see where people are at on it because Sean, I don't think you need 100% of the vote for this to be a good idea. I think you just need enough people to say, "Yeah, give me options. Give me some choices." You know what I think, Jim, and and you tell me if I'm wrong, just in the time that you've been a fan and now that you've been in this business, I've watched in my lifetime, in the last 30 years, college football has absolutely exploded, okay? But in the last 10 years, it's even gone beyond that, okay? It really has. And, And one of the cool things about it is exactly what I was saying just a couple seconds ago. People are paying attention to what's going on 
at Boise. People are paying attention to what's going on in Oxford, Mississippi, in Starkville, Mississippi. You're always going to have the Clemson, the Alabama, you know, and, and, and LSU jumping up last year, but people are more aware. They've, they've gone from just peeking over the vent, the fence around bowl season to actually looking at the entire horizon around them. And and because of that, and, and a lot of that has to do with some of the college football, you know, game day type shows, you know, whether it be game day or uh, the, the show on Fox and everything, it's so much bigger than your own backyard now. And, and that's why I think maybe even 10 years ago, I don't know how much of a challenge they would put. I think today it it might challenge it a little bit. Sean, I still expect the NFL to yeah. win. I do. But give them a little push. Well, and what I'll sell you on too is, yeah, okay, I think people are, are watching games outside of their geographical footprint more than ever before. They're reading articles. They're well aware of teams outside of the Big Ten territory. But I would say the same about the NFL. And I don't know if you've heard of this thing, Sean. It's um fantasy sports. That's a that, that that's a big draw, and I think why people end up watching a game like tonight, right? They're going, I got Julio on my team. All right, I'm hoping he plays, right? And they watch and they watch. And no, you don't. I mean, I don't know many people who play fantasy college sports. I think that's the other reason why the NFL will always have the leg up. That's a great point. It, it gets people um, to watch a game they normally wouldn't care about. Jim, can I make a confession to you? Sorry, sorry to, to ramp it ADD, but uh, I'm going to make a con. con- uh, Jim, I did not play fantasy football this year for the first time since 1989. All right. That's breaking news. Yes. <laughs> I'm In other news, I'm also old. But I did not play fantasy football for the first time since 1989, okay? Why not? And part of the reason was, well, you know what? I knew... I knew that there were going to be some hiccups along the way. I knew that there might be a chance where, you know, a guy, God forbid, gets sick. Uh, A team has to have a game move, whatever the case may be. Okay. And the way that I've always looked at fantasy football, I have looked at it as an investment. Okay. I mean, it is. And I didn't even want to play. One of my leagues is, is more for fun. I was just like, nah, I don't want to put up with the headache. Jim, I'm telling you point blank. And I, these are words I never, ever would have thought would come out of my mouth, especially considering I did a fantasy football show for many years on radio and television. I don't miss it like at all, like zero at all to the point. I'll, I'll take it a step further. I don't know if I'm going to play again next year. Do you know how nice it's been just to watch a football game? Just to watch the NFL, to come home on a Sunday night and go, oh, I'm intrigued to watch this game tonight. Not be looking at how many points that, you know, how many yards my receiver has to get. My quarterback has to throw for 250, but he can't throw an interception. It's been refreshing to just watch a football game. I, you sound like I'm, the guy. I'm stunned at it. You sound like the guy who's like, I quit social media and my life is so much better. You might be right, right? I'm, I'm not disputing that your life might feel freer and refreshed when when you're just watching a game for the sake of watching a game. But I feel like the analogy there, people don't stay away for long. They don't stay away. You can delete your social media and do a cleanse, and you know who's right back six months later? That same guy or gal. And I think with fantasy sports, it's not going anywhere. Like, I know you're not saying it's going no, anywhere, but no. I think people are – it's a little bit of addicting, right? Like, you you got your guy, you got some juice. Now with sports gambling legal in the state, that's another way to add a little extra skin in the game. 
I feel like we're shifting more and more onto social media, more and more to adding more stimulants as I'm watching a game. It's Sean, it's not enough to just watch a good football game. I also have to know whether I've got the over or I've got the under or I've got a receiver in the game or my daily no fantasy question. lineup. And and that's I think that's the reality for a lot of people. So I guess what I'll say is I'm proud of you for for, for escaping that for a year. But I, I mean, I think it's you're going to come back. I really do. I, you know what? I, if I were a betting man, which I am, if I were a betting man, I would say that I come back as well. But I, I'm stunned how little I miss it. I, I really, I'm stunned. I thought that I would be sitting here longing and weeping, and you know, I can't believe I'm not doing this. I, it's, it's been so stinking refreshing. And uh, you're right. I mean, the way that fantasy football and 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 the dailies and and obviously betting, the way that has evolved is, I always used to joke, uh, 20 years ago. A bunch of dudes like me that were playing fantasy football, it was almost like we were in the closet. I don't play that stuff. No, I don't. <laughs> Dungeons I don't, I don't, and Dragons I, or something. That, that nerds. That, that's <laughs> not for me. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the nerds who everybody thought were the, you know, the minority are the overwhelming majority now in, in regards to, to that. And, you know, for years, I know the four little network doesn't like to admit it, but the four letter network for years chastised people like you and me, they did. And then I think they saw where it was going and that it wasn't going anywhere and it was just picking up steam. And then they kind of tried to own it themselves. So it, it is interesting how that is evolved. But for me, like Jim, I, I feel like a kid again. Like, like I forgot what it was like to just sit and watch a National Football League game because I am the exact guy that you spoke of. Not only did I have my browser up on my laptop watching a game, I had my cell phone looking at, you know, what was going mm-hmm. on because I had to get the up-to-the-second stats that were going on, and I had to, you know, look at the standings and uh, look at what other guys' teams were doing and everything like that. I just sit my butt down on the couch and watch football now. It, I can't tell you how refreshing it is. Honestly, I can't. Sean, people are mad at me that I use the breaking news sounder for you exiting fantasy sports. <laughs> They're like, dude, it's so close to the NFL trade deadline. Drew says at the and Jim show, you can't use the teaser and that sound this close. Jim, no. you can't do Jim. that. Fongers, did I screw up? Jim, yes, you did, because also, too, the Tigers are in search of a manager, and they're the only team that doesn't have a manager, so you can't do that. We may have to touch on that today. Yes. It's, that it's is, possible. Apparently, I think we can do that. Yeah, I mean, 76-year-old managers are getting uh, a second, third, fourth chance, and uh, what now it's just the Tigers. Okay, so I think there's someone in mind. Right, I think there's someone we all have in mind for the Tigers. Maybe that news will break in the next hour, and if not, I want to get to it within the next hour. How here's, about that? Here's a big hint. He's a very polarizing character, too. I'd be okay with it. I know we've talked about it. 866-314-9696. Um, some more responses on this whole Thursday night proposal. Sean wants to see competition. He wants to see college football step up their game and go head-to-head and give us some good games because the NFL often throws us Whatever's left, just some Carolina-Atlanta game like we've got tonight. Ben says, other leagues have attempted to go up against the NFL, and it hasn't been good. Most recently, the NBA Finals had a game six go up against the NFL, and it was a garbage game. I think the Jets were playing or the Dolphins were playing, and they got smoked. 
Sean, I think people are just afraid to go up against the behemoth that is the NFL. I agree with you. Absolutely. I agree with you. And and you know what? I'm not saying that they're going to win. I, really, I, I don't think that they're going to win. I'm more asking people in the listening audience, would you be like me? I Like, honestly, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to watch the Pirate. I'm going to watch Saban. Let's go. You know, I mean, I, I that's the way that I look at it. I, you know, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, or... You know, even even Texas, because one of my favorite things on college football Saturday is is throwing my horns up. You know, Texas is back. Hook them horns. That's that's been one of my favorite things for years. Just laughing at that whole monstrosity. So, you know, would I watch those games over Carolina and Atlanta? Absolutely. I would. No question about it. Vote on Twitter at the and Jim show. Yeah, I'm getting used to it, too. Terry is on hold in Jenison. Terry, you're on. The Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Um, I I would watch the college, mostly because I'm more college than I am pro, uh, but I am a football-holic. I have a suggestion. What if the pros just, I guess, I don't want to say battle against each other, but put two regional games on? Okay, you have one like in the West Coast, like today's, Today or today's tonight's game is definitely you know a regional um, you know down south game. Mm-hmm. So you're you're going to get that audience either way. And then you have you got 32 teams, you got 16 weeks. Um, you know everyone could do a Thursday night game. Is that possible? Hmm. You're saying everybody gets one Thursday night game, but there's still only one game every Thursday. Gary? No. I'm sorry. No, then I had my math wrong. Okay. Yeah. There's okay. There would be, there would be a total of, yeah. Everyone's going to get a Thursday night. Game. Okay. Okay. And, and just have, um, until you call it, you know, everyone's going to get a Thursday night game. You'd have two games every Thursday. See, well, but, but ter- the, Terry, yeah, Terry, talking. I love what you're saying. Given, giving people two Thursday night games to pick from, the NFL is never going to want to create that competition. They want everybody watching the one NFL game that night, right? Sean, am I missing something here? They're going to want yeah, everybody I think, watching oh, I think one. So. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, you could tell I was deep in thinking land, which is a dangerous place. <laughs> um, you know, I, because I keep thinking about, well, does that count for the Thanksgiving opponents? Right, the Lions now, let theirs. me say this. Now, this is Jim, by the way, can I confess this? I hated the idea of adding the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving. I hated it. It's the best. NFL right, Sean wrong. I love the Thursday night Thanksgiving Day game. I never thought in a million years, why don't you well, why don't you want that? Because it's the the Lions at 12:30 and the Cowboys at four. I mean, I played the role of of angry old man, okay? They were right, and they've been right about many other things. But do you preclude those teams that play on Thursday from the rest of the schedule? It'd be tough to configure it, but I sure. listen. I get all the talk about the two games on Monday night. I, I think it'd be fun, quite frankly. But do you want to double dip on Thursday? Before we go to break, gentlemen, this little interesting tidbit: we mentioned the White Sox hiring a near eighty-year-old manager, Tony Larusa. You want to know what uh, happened in their email announcement on Tony Larusa? What happened? There's a little signature in the email. It's not the right manager. You know whose signature it was in the email blast? Whose? AJ Hinch. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. No, it just it's making the rounds on Twitter just now. 
That is great. They said they didn't even interview A.J. Hinch, right? Correct. Yet they had the whole document how, ready. Yep. How very White Sox. How, like, honestly, how very White Sox. I'm telling you guys, we are going to talk about this in the 5 o'clock hour. You've got the White Sox who have been awful for a very long time, starting to turn the corner. They hire La Russa and they leave A.J. Hinch for the Tigers. Is that the fit? Is that the match made in heaven? And we'll talk about how far away the Tigers are from from getting back to where we all want them to get back to. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. we got around the NFL on the other side of the break. It's the and Jim Show on ESPN 961. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. Don't worry, we didn't leave you alone with him. Every day, 445, we go around the NFL. It's, uh, and Jim brought to you by Coors Light. <laughs> The official beer of ESPN 961 and the official beer of pregame naps. Sean, you're threatening to, to take a pregame nap and, and just not wake up with the Thursday night game we got this week, huh? Well, you know, I, Jim, I, I did fire up the smoker. So in fairness, I, I got to kind of pay attention to what's going on there. But uh, come on. Seriously. Falcons and Panthers. Yay. Hooray. We'll touch on that a little bit. I do want to talk about Tua making his debut this weekend. And you have a crazy stat when it comes to NFL rivals. So we are going to mix all that in as we go around the NFL. All right, Sean, let's start with Thursday Night Football. Let's not spend too much time on it. Do you have an inkling as to who's going to win tonight? Ribs. Ribs are going to win big tonight in my house. I can tell you, I got some pork ribs. I got some beef ribs. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Atlanta. How's that? I, I don't know if you guys know this. Sean likes meat. I don't know if this just introduced you guys to Sean. He likes meat. Uh, <laughs> Come over sometime, Jim. I'll show you my meat. You were just, uh, No, thank you. I will go with the Panthers for tonight's game. Bonkers is dying over there. I'll take Carolina. All right, let's focus on some of the headlines. Two a time this weekend. Sean, there was a big controversy as to why you go with Tua now when Miami was rolling with Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, a couple wins in a row. My interpretation, they made this decision before they kicked off. They said, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After our bye, we're starting Tua. How's he going to look? Struggle. I mean, that's what rookies do. You know, it, it's going to be hard for him to to hold things in check. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, listen, I love the beard. I, he's been he's been a great story in his career. Let's give the guy credit where where it's due. But okay, you knew this day was coming. What are you crying about? I'm not being funny. You knew this day was coming, and let's not forget. Okay. This is one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks that we will ever see in our life. I say that knowing that Phillip Rivers has air in his lungs, okay? He is inconsistent. You know that he's only a game or two away from having a complete stinker. 
I feel sorry for the guy, but I don't feel that sorry for him because he knew this day was coming. Yeah, I mean, for Tua, this was a guy, like Miami's tried to find a quarterback since Dan Marino. It's been a minute, right? And they've gone through the, the quarterback graveyard. This is probably their best shot since Dan Marino. I'm not going to put it on him that he's Dan Marino, but they're certainly banking on it. I like the kid. I, I'm telling you, I, I like the kid. I like his moxie. I like the fact that people are questioning him. Uh, I, I mean, he was an incredible playmaker. I, I'm really intrigued to see how he does. All right, Sean, you said you've got a stat that is absolutely wild between the Steelers and the Ravens. Can you believe, when I first saw this, I, I, I went, huh? But then you and I actually talked about it logically, and you can understand how and why. But Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh are going to face off for an NFL Super Bowl era record 25th time. That's more than any two coaches have faced each other in the regular season in the Super Bowl era. The only ones that eclipse it are George Hallis and Curly Lambeau and Curly Lambeau and Steve Owen. And and Jim, when I heard that, I was like, no, no way. But you and I talked about this from a logical standpoint. Think about some of the legendary coaches that have come up, okay? Bill Belichick, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry, Don Shuley, you know, for the guys out there that are old like me, they ran roughshod over their division. So more often than not, because they dominated their division so much, you didn't see a coach hang around for that long. Other teams were making changes. So for the Steelers and the Ravens to play at the level that both teams have played at for so long, it kind of makes sense now. Even Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka ran roughshod over the old NFC Central. So when you think about it from that logical standpoint, it makes sense, doesn't it? Fongers, I see you fist bumping over there. You love Steelers-Ravens anytime these two teams go head-to-head. Oh, oh I'm I mean, with you, Fongers. I mean, that's such a hard-hitting, nasty rivalry. I absolutely love it. Give me a 6-3 to three final all day. <laughs> Is this the best rivalry in the NFL? Not even close. Yes. 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 I started yes. I started thinking about it and I go What's what's number 2? Cuz I'm with you it's number 1. Maybe it's like Packers Bears or something. I mean it's no Lions Cardinals annual rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> you know I think a lot of the other rivalries are rivalries in name only now. You know what I mean? Like Dallas Washington. We saw that this past weekend. Back in the day, Jim, that was can't miss television in the 80s and into the 90s. It was. That was, oh my gosh, Dallas and Washington. You knew every Sunday that John Madden and Pat Summerall were going to be in your front room watching Dallas-Washington with you. It's a rivalry in name only. Real rivalries? Fonger, I'm with you. I think there's Baltimore-Pittsburgh and nothing else. Is that the best game this weekend? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm with you guys. I mean, without even looking, yes. The second best game is probably your five and two Bears, the worst five and two team in NFL history against the Saints. That might be the second best game. Sean, these guys keep keep lumping on dumping on me because before the season started, I was like, you know what? I think the Bears could win the North, and now they're my Chicago Bears. Hey, five and two. We'll see what happens. All right.
You've been a Trubisky guy for as long as I've known you. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no. That is the meanest thing anybody could ever say to someone else. I had to throw one in. I had to throw one in, didn't I? I thought I just got My unlimited pot shots at you and no one could touch me over here. But, no, I uh, <laughs> love you to death. All right, we will come back from a break, and we will have some fun here. I have promised some Tigers talk because LaRusa's back in baseball. He goes to the White Sox, and now the Detroit Tigers twiddle their thumbs. Maybe ain't going to deal with A.J. Hinch. We will get that in in the 5 o'clock hour. Plus, some MSU luminaries have come out to support Mel Tucker. I guess it's that bad after a Rutgers loss. But there's one exception, someone who has not come out to support Tucker yet. Mix that in as well. It's the Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. It is an absolute cost lock that this is the best show in town. Oh, wait. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. Boy, you know a loss is bad when you have to have some all-time greats and some notables come to your defense afterwards. MSU luminaries saying nice things about Mel Tucker, but there's one exception, someone we haven't heard from. It's the Ann Jim Show, brought to you by Coppercraft Distillery, the official bourbon and gin of ESPN 961. And I have promised that we will talk about some baseball today with La Russa. After a decade coming back to manage, he'll be with the White Sox. It leaves A.J. Hinch for the Tigers. Let me put a timestamp on it. 5.30. 5.30, we're talking baseball. I want to know about Hinch and the Tigers, and I want to know just how daunting the task is to get this team out of the cellar. Now, Sean, Sean Belegian sitting in with me today. Sean, I don't know if you saw this, but Nick Saban came out and said nice things about Mel Tucker. And Kirk Cousins also gave him a vote of confidence after the Rutgers loss. The guy we haven't really heard from, Mark D'Antonio. He wasn't at the press conference when Tucker was hired. He's the winningest coach in school history, but he's he's been MIA during this transition. He's a dude that deserves a statue. But, like, I got to wonder, like, what's up here? Like, is he ashamed of how things ended? Why haven't we seen more of his presence around Michigan State? Jim, it's a great question. I don't know. It's it's very strange, and I, I think what it does is the longer that you don't see him, the longer that you don't hear from him, it opens up that wonderful world of speculation. I mean, look, that's the reality of it right now. And as we all know, they just got lucky. Come on, it was there. I, I, I had to take it. <laughs> but they were just lucky under Coach D'Antonio. Um, I just shake my head at that. but. Somebody brought this up on Twitter earlier. I want to give it, uh, give the the proper attribution to Nezi. He said it's it's almost like when everybody seemed to support the new head coach at Michigan circa 2008, except for the old head coach Lloyd Carr. Yeah, right. And I think we all know that. And I think I think that's a very a very applicable comparison. I don't know what the story is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what the story is. Um, could it be a case of of Coach Antonio just wanting to keep a low profile, maybe, and stay out of the way? It could be. Uh, could it be a case of of well, that wasn't his guy? It could be, and that's. I hope you understand my point. Yeah, that the speculation is going to come 
from the silence. And and that's why so many people have their theories and their thoughts about it. This is a guy who accomplished so much at MSU and should be beloved, should be beloved. But I can't help but thinking there is some sour resentment for how things ended, maybe on the part of Mark D'Antonio and maybe on the part from, from Spartan fans because he left them high and dry. He made sure to cash his bonus check in February and said, I'm abruptly retiring, figure it out. You know, and 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 then they end up going through this whole dog and pony show, this process to try to find a coach. Is it Luke Fickle? Never mind, he's Fickle. And then they bring in Mel Tucker, and Mel Tucker comes in here and he inherits a program. And I think it pales in comparison to the deed that D'Antonio did right after signing day. Was the deed he did tearing down this program? I mean, listen, he kept his boys on staff, and he watched Michigan State be dethroned. In the last four years, he had a losing record in the Big Ten. In the last season, his defense, the calling card, I mean, they were giving up 44 to Michigan, 38 to Wisconsin. They're losing by three, four, five touchdowns against the top teams in the Big Ten. And what he built has become kind of more of a memory than reality. So I I, I think there, there should be some sour grapes on the part of Spartan fans, and maybe he is a little ashamed of how things ended. Maybe he didn't love the way that the transition took place. But I do think you're right, Sean. Silence is deafening here. Jim, you bring up such a good point, and I didn't think about it. And, and I think maybe a lot of Spartan fans need need to think about this. And, and I, I just heard you say something. It is a distant memory now. I mean, what transpired in, in the heyday of, of Mark D'Antonio is, is a distant memory. And, you know, earlier in the show, I, I, I don't know why people do this, and it, it makes me laugh Every time, like zero offense is taken at it. It's more like, really? That's what you're going to say? But people have been apt to say that the Spartans got lucky. And and I, I can't help but just giggle at that. Like, you can't be that simple, can you? They were dominant for a three-year period. Period. End of story. They went 22-2 and two in conference. They won two Big Ten titles. I'll say it again. Find me the last Big Ten champion to go unbeaten and beat everybody in conference by double digits. You know what I mean? But as you do that, you know what happens, Jim? Suddenly, you become what you detested not that long ago. When you're talking about things that happened four or five, six years ago. Now, I think there's a difference between calling out revisionist history or or just plain stupidity, quite frankly. There's a difference between doing that and hearkening back to the glory days. Because I think a lot of people got sick and tired of hearing Michigan fans do that. And, and I think the shoe's on the other foot now. That's a long time ago now. I mean, look, five years ago is a long time ago, right? So when you take a look at this season, I think anybody that had a half a brain in their head, they knew that this was going to be a tough season. I think without him saying it, this is 1,000% a guess. I think Coach D'Antonio knew that this was going to be a down season. But if the first game is an indication of what's to come, Jim, I tend to agree with you. I don't see a W. On this schedule, could it I be, don't. Could it be an offer? And what does that mean for just how much work Mel Tucker has cut out for him? And I think that's as a result of what D'Antonio did in his final 
days, his final seasons as Michigan State's head football coach. And I do think, you know, the question is, could he have exited more gracefully? In other words, could it have been a season or two earlier when the program hadn't taken such steps back? Or or could he have done at least another season to where the, the new coach isn't inheriting a landfill in an offseason that didn't allow him to practice. You know what I'm saying? Like the timing could not have been any worse for D'Antonio to make his exit. Maybe that plays into why we aren't seeing public statements and why we aren't hearing from him in a time where normally the winningest coach in your school's history who's who's going to get a statue. I feel pretty good saying that. Normally that guy is an asset for a new coach. Normally that guy is an asset to your program. And I can't tell you that D'Antonio is an asset to this program right now because he wasn't an asset in terms of what he gave Mel Tucker to work with, and he's not an asset in terms of an ambassador when he sits quietly on the sideline. 866-314-9696 on the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. Want to get out to the phones. We've got Carlos in Wyoming. Carlos, Los, you're on ESPN 961. You're on the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. What's going on, fellas? I wanted to give my two cents on the Michigan State thing, man. You know, D'Antonio's history, which is really, if you break that word down, it's his story, is getting stinkier by the minute. And and it's really mostly his fault. Now, we separate Mel Tucker from that equation. We have to put some context to the situation. He was hired in February. 30 days after that, they were put in. The world changed. Michigan went on lockdown. No one was able to practice. He wasn't able to contact players. No one knew nothing. Then there was a time when Michigan could practice and Michigan State couldn't practice because of COVID issues. And then the Big Ten fools around, decides, you know, well, maybe we might have a season. He's got a couple of weeks and he gets smoked by Rutgers. There's, there's got to be some context to this thing. And I guess this weekend, if Michigan goes and smokes them, that I guess they, they can say, well, they beat a team that really had no business playing them at that time and and they could chalk that up and put that in their history books and and parade around their house with their with their blue and gold on i guess but at the end of the day d'antonio's made a uh, has has destroyed his own legacy i don't know why he's so hell-bent on destroying his own legacy but he's doing it and we can't we can't we can't judge this program in 2020 by any stretch of the imagination. There's no way that we can say that anything that happened last week or happens at all this season will define where Michigan State is headed. Carlos, I love the passion. I love the phone call. I do think what D'Antonio did on the way out does have a lingering effect. There's no doubt about it. And the question is going to be how long does it linger? Because I look at this weekend's game, and Sean, you and I talked about it yesterday, there's nobody doing the, well, anything can happen in a rivalry. This is a game with a certain outcome. People believe Michigan is going to win their third straight in this rivalry, their fourth in the last five years. And if the D'Antonio stench lingers, this turns into five, six, seven, and all of a sudden, it's all been undone. The MSU rivalry that you grew up with is back. I and mean, Michigan used to win seven out of every 10, and it feels like seven out of every 10 is is very much on the horizon right now. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I, look, I, I think for any Spartan fan to to deny that is, is crazy. And and now you're dealing with the ugly H word, hope. You, you hope it doesn't go back to that. I mean, really, that's what I, I don't understand the reasoning. I, I don't. Um, it's well within Coach D'Antonio's right to just say, I, I don't 
I don't want to. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Be the figurehead right now. Let, let's let Mel Tucker get in there. Let's let Mel Tucker get in you know, his feet wet and, and try to establish his own thing. I I don't know what the reasoning is, but again, Jim, I go back to the fact that that might be part of the problem, that it is going to lead to the speculation. It is going to lead to what Carlos said or what anybody else would say. I can't sit back and say, no, you're wrong because we don't, we don't know. I mean, maybe at the end of the year, he comes out and he says, listen, I didn't want anybody hovering over me when I took over. I don't want to be that guy that hovers. We don't know right now, Jim. So what we are left to do is speculate. Well, how about this tweet to us? And He says, I have no idea how a guy who left the program worse than when he found it gets a statue. I think he's he's the winningest coach in school history. He took him to a Rose Bowl. He won three Big Ten titles. I think he is going to get a statue, but there's no doubt the end of his time, it doesn't sit well with people. It doesn't sit well with people at all. Like Sean, you think he's getting a statue, right? I, I, I or some sort of decoration. Yeah. <laughs> I. By the way, I categorically deny that logic. I've heard a lot of people say that that he he left the program in worse shape than when he took over. I I categorically deny that. They they went seven and six. Um, what was it? Was it satisfactory? No. But I think back in that era, if Spartan fans want to think in their brains, you were just happy to golly gee make a bowl game back then, right? I mean, let's let's well, let's be Sean, perfectly Sean, blunt, Sean. Not to lean into it too hard, but like they're not expecting a bowl game anytime soon, right? No, 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 no. And I'm not saying that, but my point: he took over a disaster. I mean, well, John L. Now? Smith. What, John? Well, you know what? Here, here's the thing. He took over a disaster, but was able to build it back up. And it is a disaster and it is going to take some time, but this was a disaster that had been going on for a few years. Right. And I, I do think there's a difference. This isn't, if, if you have to bite the bullet for a couple years, okay, this disaster had been going on through Bobby Williams, through John L. Smith. That is bad. That's tough to dig yourself out of. Sean, you know what I mean? The the margin of defeat last year in the rivalry, while D'Antonio was still the coach and it was still his program, was 34 points. The last time Michigan beat MSU by that much was the era you're talking about, the Bobby Williams, John L. Smith era. It was a stretch of games where, what, Michigan won seven consecutive? So, I mean... And you, and you, you, were, you were happy if you went seven and six. You know, you you saw four and eight and five and seven and things like that. So I, I I don't buy that logic. I don't at all. I think people forget what a disaster Michigan State was really after Saban left. I I I firmly believe people forget what a disaster it was. And look, I think this year is going to be a disaster. 
but it might be a singular disaster. Can we revisit this conversation in two or three <laughs> yes, years? Yes. If in two or three years they're putting up four and eight seasons and they're putting up the Bobby Williams, John L. Smith seasons, well, then we can sit back and we can go, okay, yeah, now, now I get it. Now you have to acknowledge that. But that train had been rolling on the tracks for a few years, right? Sean, I mean, they really were. They were they were rolling on the tracks for a few years. It's incredibly fair of you to say, please give it a couple years before you make the declarative statements. I'm simply saying the soil is fertile, right? The 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 things that need to be there for Michigan to go back to rattling off seven straight are very much in place right now. You have them with some stability with the way that they're playing and they're beating up on the the average teams in the Big Ten and especially the below-average teams in the Big Ten. And then I look at Michigan State, and there's a lot of instability. Some of that is, yeah, you're, to your point, a coach taking over in his very first year, but I think a lot of that is residual, residual that he inherits. So I think Michigan State is not a a one-step, hey, let's let's seal in this hole and we're good. There's issue with the foundation right now. And I, I think that's going to take a little bit of time for them to fix. So I do think there is potential for Michigan to take this back in a way that is reminiscent of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, an era that you know was before D'Antonio ever got a shot to fix things. So I think we have way more to talk about with this. I do want to talk about the state of the Michigan and Michigan State rivalry. But at 515, Fongers, you know how this thing works. We have to get somebody qualified to win this great tailgate prize. Jim Costa's awesome mega great tailgate prize pack brought to you by our friends at RX Comfort, Coors Light, and Pop Daddy. Caller 15 at 866-314-9696. Caller 15 gets qualified for the Blackstone Grill. You get meat, you get a cooler, you get snacks, a whole bunch more. The full details at ESPN961.com. Look for contests. We'll also get into Tigers baseball. A.J. Hinch, is it? I mean, it's got to happen, right? We'll get people's thoughts on it coming up next. It's the Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. Fonger's Fact. Producer Fonger's looked at his new dog, and the dog trained itself out of respect. It's And Jim on ESPN 961. I got to say, there's not a lot of hate for hate week. This one feels like a foregone conclusion. Where I think we got some traction, though, is we're talking about kind of the future of this rivalry. Because I think there is all the makings for another dark age, you know, where the rivalry isn't particularly interesting. And, I, and Sean, you, you make that sound, and so does Fongers, by the way, who is a Michigan fan. You guys both would rather this game have some juice to it. I mean it. I, I said it back then, and I hope people understand that I was being sincere. It's better. It's just better when both of these programs are are, are doing well. We all win. I, honestly, coverage uh, th- this week, everything, it's, it's just better when both of them are rolling. So Fongers and I agree on that. And I've said, listen, I guess I'll be the, like a bearer of bad news because I do think this is – it's headed in a direction that doesn't speak to competitive rivalries. It doesn't speak to a game that goes back and forth. It feels a lot like the start of what it was in the 2000s, what it was in the 90s or even the 80s, where Michigan would win most of the games, and in some cases, quite handily. Jim, you know what hurts the most? And and I think I can speak for um, a lot of Spartan fans when I say this. Um 
what you're saying had been heard so often, even during the D'Antonio era. Okay. Let me go back to 2009. Ha ha, Sparty. This is what it looks like. Get ready. Uh, Rich Rod's going to explode in year three. Whether people want to admit that conversation happened or not is completely inconsequential to me. It happened. It happened. And then who can forget the Hulk takeover of 2011? <laughs> well, okay, but Sean. I hope you enjoyed this last win, Sparty, because Brady Hulk's back. He gets this program, and he's recruiting. But, Sean. Right? I mean, th- but, but here's those the reason why conversations happen. Here's the difference, Jim, if, if I may. Go for it. I- I'm not going to argue with you right now. I'm not. And I think a lot of Spartan fans aren't going to argue with you. You know, whereas people would argue, I remember even after 2016, I said to people, look, three and nine's a disaster. That was, that was so ugly. But like, are you forgetting what this guy did? And they turned around the next year, beat Michigan in a game that many people didn't expect them to win and ended up going 10 and three and finished 15th in the nation. Right. And, and I think with D'Antonio, you always had that belief because he had done it a few times that, okay, that stunk, but they're going to bounce back. But based on what you saw on, on Saturday, it was that ugly. And that's why this is different. And that's why I think Spartan fans, they'll go back in their memory bank to being, you know, being told so many times that the run was over. I hope you enjoyed it, Sparty, to going back and being quiet again right about now. Sean, I think the big difference, and you already alluded to it, the reason why I'm not the boy who cried wolf is because this is different. Because, Mark, and it's all about Michigan State. It, it has very little to do with Michigan in my mind. It has everything to do with Michigan State. You had Mark D'Antonio, and you had Mark D'Antonio at his best, at his program's best. Yes, you could absorb a hot Michigan team, and you could put them in their place the next year. Well, Problem is, Mark D'Antonio's not walking through that door. And there's a lot of Spartan fans, by the way, who are okay with that because of the damage done in the last couple seasons. I think it has everything to do with what Mark D'Antonio left this program. They got blown out by 34 points last year in the rivalry. That hasn't happened since Bobby Williams. And I, I, Mark D'Antonio is a much better coach than Bobby Williams, but the program might be set up for a Bobby Williams kind of lull as Michigan pounds on him, maybe six, maybe seven straight games. I'm bringing it up not because I think Michigan has arrived as a college football juggernaut. Please don't take it that way. I'm saying it as Michigan State might be back to a doormat for a little bit. And I don't know if Michigan State well, fans are, are ready for that. I, th- I think, you know, and again, this is, to me, Jim, this this is where if you're looking at it with Michigan right now, I, I think you very mel- very well may be right. But let me remind you, I mean, this is under Bobby Williams. They went five and six. Seven and five was the high watermark, and the team was a disaster in 2002. And then there was the John L. era where, whether people want to admit it or not, John L. was kind of like Michigan State's Brady Hoke, right? Mm -hmm. I think you had a lot of people early on in the Brady Hoke era, maybe after 12 going into 13, that said, this isn't happening, okay? And a lot of Michigan fans just didn't want to believe it. They had all the evidence they needed in front of their face, but they did not want to accept that this wasn't going to work. I looked at John L. Smith like that at Michigan State. I really did. I mean, if you couldn't figure out 
after a couple of years that John L. Smith wasn't the answer, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> but a lot of Spartan fans didn't want to admit it. You know what I mean? And so that's the point that I'm getting at. Jim, if we revisit this conversation in two years and Mel Tucker has them at, you know, that five and six level, right. that four and eight level, well, then we can sit back and go, wow, this was a disaster. This was absolutely a disaster. I, I, I And... We might have that conversation after all. I think that Mel Tucker was the right guy for the job. I think Mel Tucker was the only guy for the job at that <laughs> point in time. But we're not, listen, we're not at that point yet. Not yet. I I, I can't well, make and Sean, that statement just no, yet. No, and that's fair. And they're, they're paying Tucker to be a difference maker, right? I mean, when they announced sure. the hire, maybe, maybe there was some desperation in the hire too, by the way, with the amount of money they're paying him. But I think it sent the message like, hey, we don't want to be the doormat. You got hammers and you got nails in college football. We would much like to consider being the hammer and not the nail. And they paid accordingly. They gave him a budget for his staff to fill it out accordingly. So they've done everything administratively to say, hey, we know it's going to be a rough go, but you're supposed to be the guy that keeps us from falling back into some of those dark ages. And I I think this is a true year zero if there ever was one. I know people hate that, Sean. You might be someone who hates year zero, but this feels like a year zero. It does. Oh, it does though. You're, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. I'm not. And you know, I, I don't know. As I said, I think some of the revisionist history about Mark D'Antonio is fascinating to me. Um, I, I will stick up for him in that regard. I, I will. Every time I hear the word lucky, I, I mean, honestly, I, I just shake my head and you know, somebody that I was talking to on Twitter in fairness to them kind of took that back, but you've heard that so many times, but let me ask you this. And I I'm being honest and Jim, you are a guy that whether people don't believe it or not, you don't have a horse in this race, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You don't You don't have a horse in this no. race. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have the kind of tenure that Mark D'Antonio had? Or what? For as long as he had oh, it? Oh, yeah. No. Or would I'm... you rather have Jim Harbaugh? Well, I mean, thus far, it's Let's not even close. Let's say Jim Harbaugh, what, what Jim Harbaugh's done in his first, you know, yes, five years five and with change. Michigan. Yeah. I would much what, rather take what, D'Antonio's what first rather... five with a Big Ten title. I would. I would. I, if, if 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 after are you kidding me all day? Yeah, I'll I don't think that's hard. I'll endure the three and nine. Yeah, I'll I'll endure the three and nine. I'll endure the six and seven. But you knocked off Ohio State a couple times. One time in the Big Ten championship, and one time in their barn. Boy, hockey term. Sorry, <laughs> on their field. Uh, are you kidding me? I'll take that all day. Sean. And that's again, same thing. That's not a knock against Jim Harbaugh. I I defend Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh is hammered too much. You you can ask when are you going to win? And that's a very fair question. But he's done a good job running that program. He has, okay? All but right, I'll I- I'll take the highs. I'll t- I'll take the highs all day. Thank you very much. Won't think twice about it. Knock out a couple calls on this, and then we will talk baseball probably for the rest of the show. I'd like to anyway. There's a lot of juice there. Let's go to AJ in Grand Rapids. AJ, you've been waiting forever. You're on ESPN 961. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing good. And yourself? Not bad. It's, it's taking a little bit of time to get in use to I know. Gym. Um, I used to call into the show when Sean was a host, so uh, you guys are taking me back. Um, and it's taking me back to my disdain that really I, I have for the whole state because I'm a Buckeye fan. And I think it, it's, it's kind of hilarious to listen to Michigan State fans talk about a three-year dynastic run or, you know, them in the state. But here's the thing. Like, you got to explain the difference between 
between the two programs, like not only Michigan and Michigan State, but you look at what Izzo's done, right? Um, and Sean just said he'll he will endure the three and nine. Like, bro, you sound so Michigan State right now, like because when Ohio State, like for me to even think about us looking at a three and nine season, bro, like my heart exploded in my chest because how many sorry teams do you have to lose to over the course of the season to go three and nine? And not only that, like I said, look at what Izzo's done. He's never really had a sustained amount of time where he's been that bad. And so it's not about taking Harbaugh's career over D'Antonio. It's about the way he left the program. You know, with, as a Michigan fan, would you say, you know what, I'll take the three and nine. I don't even want to take the three and nine. Give me a, a six and seven season. And then on top of that, leave us in the garbage heap on your way out. Nobody's going to want that career over Harbaugh's. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially because of the name and notoriety that comes along. I don't know what you're saying. Like I told you're you're fading in and out a little bit, AJ. You're fading in a little. Go ahead. All right. Well, let me step out the car because I sound crazy, but I just don't want people to be okay with three and nine, six and seven. Oh my goodness! Oh, literal, literal phone call. Oh, Sean, how do you want to respond to it? I'll let you. Let me. Let me. You're. You're. Two things. Two things. Number one, you're taking things way too literally. At no point in time am I okay with three and nine. Like, like, come on, come on, you're better than that, okay? At no point in time am I better, am I okay with three and nine, ever, pure. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Period. End of story. All right? But if this sounds Michigan State, I'll own it. I would rather win the Big Ten twice. Twice. Go to the playoff. Even get crucified in the playoff. And beat Ohio State twice then do none of those things. Every single day, and every human out there listening right now, including Michigan fans, you won't admit it to me, you won't admit it to Jim, but deep down inside, you want that too. You do. And it's okay. Well, Sean, Sean, the dirty little I secret is... I get that you don't want to admit it. I get it. I, that's fine. But if compare and contrast, yes, I would much rather have two years of winning the Big Ten, knocking off the big boy Ohio State, than not doing any of that. What human being wouldn't? Well, yeah, and I was going to say the dirty little secret is Michigan's had their – did they have a 3-9 and nine season under Rich Rod? Something like that? I mean, Michigan's yes, had their yes, low points. You would have liked it to also have come with the high points. Let's get one more in. Pete in Middleville. Pete, you're on ESPN 961 on the Coppercraft Distillery Hotline. How are you doing today, boys? Not bad. Um, just, hey, Pete. I'll make it real pretty – pretty direct. Antonio took over a crappy football program, obviously built it up. We were able to win the championships and everything else. What I want to focus is on the last couple of years. Um, it almost seemed like he was tired of the job. I mean, he built this program. He did a lot of great stuff for the program. He got it moving in the right direction. He got paid and compensated to do that. And then towards the end, he just did not seem to want to deal with all the headaches. Some of them were self-induced with players that got caught for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. It was questionable. 
uh, recruiting stuff that went on with him. But basically, he just wasn't the same person. And, you know, it's like the CEO that builds up the business and drives it into the ground all at the same time. And I'm not going to give him a pass on something like that. You know, he got a good check when he left the door, and he's just been SOL and not to be seen. Now, that could be a good thing, only Maybe. because of the stink that's around him, around him and stuff like that. But I do think it's, it's pretty sad how it all went down with him. Is that he kind of just cut quit. He checked out. Didn't want to do it anymore. Maybe he got old. Maybe he got tired. So hopefully Mel Tucker and this group can get their stuff together and evolve to make the program to be better. But I'm going to leave you with one name in case Mel doesn't work out. Luke Sickle. <laughs> Go get him. Put him right across. Where did I hear that name? Pete, is that satire? Because I absolutely love you to death, my guy. I mean, we are one game into Tucker's tenure, and we got replacements. And Fickle is just rich. I mean, that is beautifully well done. Just a round of applause. Some good stuff where, where there. Where have I heard that name before? Have I? I Maybe D'Antonio would be back that. around Ooh, the program. I know that name. That's the only coach Michigan has beaten in regards to Ohio State in the last decade and a half. Oh, man. Whoa. How about that little well nugget? Played. Well played. Yes, 2011. Hey, speaking of nuggets, Fungus, you passed this along to me earlier today, and I was not aware that Tony LaRusso was was interested in managing baseball teams anymore, but at 76 years old, if we can pivot here for a second, he joins a division rival Chicago White Sox, and I want to get to Sean's priceless reaction and then kind of localize it here as Tigers fans because I think they did us a favor. I think it left A.J. Hinch as the the obvious choice to be the Tigers' next manager. But, Sean, what was your ex, uh, your your impression, your reaction to La Russa being named? I joked about the White Sox for years. I mean, I you know, how many times did we hear in the springtime, ooh, they got the right club to match that, you know, bandbox and everything. I, Jim, I think it's brilliant. I, I think the White Sox are this close. I really do. When you look at what they have right now and what they're going to be getting back, they lost a pitcher, obviously, to Tommy John, and he didn't want to come back this year and everything. I, I think this is great. I mean, the first thing I did was to see who the oldest guy was, and it was like Connie Mack was like managing when he was 70, and Jack McKeon was managing uh, the Marlins when he was like, I, I think, 80 years old or whatever. I mean, it's insane that a guy as old as me is going to be managing in Chicago again. I looked this up. Larusa was last managing in 2011. So by the time he actually manages, it'll have been 10 years. And I started looking back. Yeah, Larusa, he's decorated manager, World Series, right? The last time he was manager of the year was 2002. I mean, it is. I think. I think it's been like 40 years since he debuted as a major league baseball manager. I mean, it is. Truly, they, they, they have resurrected the dead. And, and, Sean, I think it speaks to the fact that they think they're close, to your point. This has been a young baseball team. Prior to this year, they had lost, what, losing record seven straight seasons. And you're going, okay, they've been accumulating good players, right? Perfect for the ballpark is the bit. But they've got a good baseball team, and they don't think they're going to win in two or three years. They think they can win next year. That's why you go get Tony Larusa. I think it's a great move. Why not? And and you know what's interesting about this? When you talk to baseball people, there's a, re, a, a reverence about Tony LaRusso. Now, do I know this personally? No, but I know enough people around the game. There is this, oh, you know, almost this this yellow light that seems to just emanate all around him and, and everything. I think there's something to be said about that. I think he brings a certain, you know, swagger uh, to the, to this situation. 
White Sox are, they're legitimate. I hope people realize that now this is a legitimate team. You saw it coming in a couple of years. And Jim, quite frankly, I think the White Sox are now what in their wildest dreams the Tigers hope to be about three or four years from now. And they're far, far away from. I gave you the quote. I said, ah, two, three years away. They're two or three years behind the White Sox. And I thought you were going to laugh at me. So I'll let you do that on the other side of the break. (laughs) We'll talk about how far away the Tigers are and what kind of a difference an A.J. Hinch could make. Foggers, you were telling me, be ready. It could break at any moment today. It feels like a foregone conclusion. How would Tigers fans feel about Hinch as the next manager? It's the Ann Jim Show on ESPN 961. Because misery loves company. That's why we talk Lions every day. It's and Jim on ESPN 961. You heard the note there about the Lions having some fans in the stands, 500 people. We'll update the poll question. We asked you, would you want to be one of them? And our other poll question today, Sean Belisian, who's hanging out with me today, wanted to fix Thursday Night Football. We'll see if he succeeded. See if you guys are buying his pitch. Tony LaRusso's back in the world of baseball, 76 years old. I think that says something about what he thinks they can do in Chicago and certainly what they think they could do. They had seven straight losing seasons before this year. They've been stocking it up. Sean, for comparison, our Tigers, they're doing the whole rebuild thing, right? (laughs) They've had four straight losing seasons, right? So what does that mean? Two, three years and they're right back in it. Uh, Jim, by the way, I need to say one word, if I may. Money tree. There it is. There, your bingo card's complete. There, you you finish your... Um, Jim, you and I have not had this conversation, but we're we're going to have this conversation, okay? I, I get the Tigers did what they had to do. In my mind, it should have started two years earlier, and I was screaming at anybody to listen to me back in 2015 about that, okay? The the love, forget love. Let me cross that, X that out. The trust that people put into Al Avila is absolutely lost on me. I I don't get it. And I think, Jim, if you dig a little deeper, a lot of it is seeped in um, really things that aren't factual, right? Here, let me give you an example. Tell me if you've heard this before. You have to remember what Al took over. The Tigers were already in rebuild mode when he took over for Dombrowski. Eh, False. False. He was given a checkbook. He was given a checkbook and he was allowed to spend. Do you remember how he spent? He went and gave big money to Mike Pelfrey. He went and gave big money to Jordan Zimmerman. He went and gave big money to Justin Upton. you, You know what I mean? Okay, all right. Well, he hasn't done good at that. You have to admit his deals have been great to allow him to pick up some prospects. Huh? What? What was his return on J.D. Martinez? And then you know what the spin was? I I wish I was making this up, but I wasn't, okay? Do you know what the spin was? Well, there wasn't a market for J.D. Martinez. Jim, do you remember that? People with a straight look on their face, with a straight look on their face, People said there wasn't a market for J.D. Martinez. Justin Verlander? Like, wh- where are we going? Which which move do you want to look at and point at and go, wow, Al, he's been a wheeler and a dealer. So to me, 
That's my biggest fear about the Tigers moving forward. The reality is some of these coochie-coo prospects are not going to pan out. They aren't. We've already seen how many catchers of the future, right? I mean, we all know the names. We've already seen two or three guys that, ooh, look out for this guy and look out for that guy. Well, we looked out for them, okay? So that's not to say that some of these guys aren't going to be all that. And there are pieces that we should be excited about, okay? My fear about this team is the general manager. And and Jim, seriously, if if I'm wrong, yell at me right now. Give me something that I can sink my teeth into that makes me think that Al Avila, he's got the pulse of this team, and don't worry, everything's going to be okay. That's my biggest fear about the Detroit Tigers right now. You have a guy that is shown when given the opportunity, he didn't make good signings, he didn't make good trades. So are we applauding him by talking about how he's picked very high in a draft? Matt Millen picked very high in a draft. So I, this faith and trust that people put into Alavila, uh, Jim, for the life of me, this is not a radio bit. This is not me trying to play the role of everybody get mad at Sean. I'm asking an honest question. What am I supposed to look at and go, yeah, Alavila's got this. Give me something, anything. Sean, I don't think that he has a high approval rating. I don't think that fans do trust Alavila. And I do think that's a fair criticism. I think I look at this Tigers team and I say, yeah, they got the number one farm system in all of baseball and they got some money to spend. The question is, who's the guy making those calls? Because, because Sean, they do have money to spend, by the way. That Jordan Zimmerman Albatross deal, right? They don't need to shoot him up with cortisone anymore. He's no longer a, a Tiger. The only guy that's got any guaranteed money is Miguel Cabrera. And as expensive as that deal is, your payroll is going to hopefully be bigger than $30 million. They have the ability to add some guys. This offseason is going to be a little weird, but the next two offseasons to make this a better baseball team. Listen, they've done their losing. They had a losing record in five of the last six seasons. They have the number one farm system in all of baseball. It's time for them to start winning, and it's why I think the A.J. Hinch thing is so interesting. The White Sox— Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. I've heard people say that a lot, the number one farm system in baseball. I've heard people say mm-hmm. that a lot. Can I can I ask? And I'm I'm not trying to no, be a wiseacre here. Based on what? Based on the amount of prospects in their system and high based end. Based on prospects. the amount of. Uh, okay, and and to that I say I say this: How many of those magical names have we heard in the last three or four names? Okay, and I could waste the next thirty seconds of your life saying all the names. How many of those guys, when you look at what they've actually done so far, really excite you? Sean, or I think the are point. We, so, are we excited because they could become something? And I, I admit they could become something. You know what I mean? But I did this last year, you know, before the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. I went and looked at these names, whether it be Erie, whether it be West Michigan. I looked at some of these magical names and I went, huh? Look at these numbers. They're. Daz Cameron should have been with the Tigers last year to start the season. Why isn't Daz Cameron the starting center fielder? Have you looked at what Daz Cameron has done? You know, and, and I think that's what the skeptic in me is what's saying, okay, I get it. Some of these guys may pan out and be really, really good, but based on what they've done so far, why am I supposed to get excited? Well, so let, let me come 
over to your side here for a second because I think prospects are currency. I think that's what they are in Major League Baseball. We saw Dombrowski use them as currency for trades. I think we see prospects as currency because you're right, Sean, not all of them are going to pan out. So who is going to be making those decisions? Al Avila. That's why I think your broader point of like, hey, do we have the right guy in charge is a good one. I will say having currency, having prospects, trade chips, guys that if they're failed starters could turn into bullpen arms, what a concept. The Tigers may actually have a bullpen someday. I think that is there and and available. You lose for as long as they've lost. You've stockpiled up this farm system in a way they haven't had since, I guess, before Dombrowski arrived. The question is, do you have a Dave Dombrowski managing this baseball team to the degree where they can be competing for World Series? I think it's a fantastic point. Quickly on the point of A.J. Hinch, the Astros had five straight losing seasons, including some 100-loss seasons. His first year, they were a playoff team. And they had three straight 100-win seasons under A.J. Hinch. I don't think the Tigers are quite at Astros level, but the bottom line is this is a manager who's worth something, and and the White Sox didn't pick him. So he is ripe for the 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 Tigers to make the phone call and ink the deal. If you're Al Avila, we talk about making the right move. Sean, I can give you like a minute on this. Do you, do you like Hinch for the Tigers? Yes, absolutely. Why not? I I, I mean I I mean that, and I I get it that there's the whole garbage banging thing and all that stuff. But, you know, this is a guy that also knows what it's like to deal with some young players with um, a heck of a lot of expectations, Jim. Um, And I I think having been there and done that, I think that counts for something. Now, granted, he came a little longer in the process uh, for the Astros than the Tigers are. But, yeah, I think that counts for something. Our poll questions today Lions allowing 500 fans for their home games. 50-50 split on whether or not you would go to them. Poll brought to you by SpikeDonation.com. Our other poll question, Sean, I'll count this as a win for you. We said, would you rather watch Falcons-Panthers or a pretty good college game, Mississippi State and Alabama? Most people said Falcons-Panthers, but it was like 53%, and I think that's a win for you. People want options. Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, No, I mean, again, you know, please don't miss – don't take me literally here. I'm going to watch a game tonight. Yeah. My nephews are coming over. Uncle Sean, yay, hooray. I'm going to watch a game tonight, but given my druthers to watch this Snorefest or a good college football game, I'll watch a college football game. We'll talk more about those Lions in the next hour of the show if you stick around. Sean, thank you so much for being in the last couple of days, all right? Always, Jim. Anytime you need me, you give me a call. It's a pleasure working with you. He's Sean Belisian. We're going to have a bunch of people in this month trying to, to have some fun around here. It's and Jim. Bongers is the best producer in the business. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN 961. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.